Many hundreds of seasons ago, there was a great war between Ewoks and Dulocs. The Dulocs had come to destroy that which is most precious to our tribe, our soul trees. But Erfam Warwick devised this machine, which led the Ewoks to victory. The soul trees were saved, and the Dulocs were driven into the swamp. Welcome to the Vintage Rebellion Podcast. I'm Stuart Skinner, your host for the show, and you're listening to episode 55, Rockin' Roundster, the Christmas tree. Of course, I'm joined by my three wise men for this final show of the year. First up, our R5D4 focus collector, who's had a recent obsession with Dixie Cups. It is Dixie Hutchinson. Good evening, Rich. It wouldn't be the same without our collector of all things Empire Strikes Back. It is Peter Davis. Evening, PDD. I think you should always call Richard Dixie from now on. Dixie Hutchinson. Actually, I, I think it's it well, doesn't it? It does. It, it has a kind of a sort of slightly northern kind of love to it. I like it. Northern kind of love. Whatever, whatever <laughs> and, that is. <laughs> and finally, we have a hand solo focus collector with a growing obsession with vintage Star Wars ceramic. It is Steve Savory. Evening, Steve. Evening, everybody. Now, sadly, we are without Jez this month. He is back in the UK currently on his R&R and is enjoying his time off with his family. Uh, he records every month from a war zone, but we can't get him on when he's in the UK. He's a no-show. In all honesty, I hope he's having a great couple of weeks off, away from his work. He's back out there for Christmas. So, Jez, stay safe, mate. Um, and it'll be business as usual with him in January, all being well. Now, I want to start this month's show with a bit of a rant. It's a bit, very personal for me. A bit of a rant at two people who are in the Star Wars community and a Facebook group. Now, we see lots of arguments and call-outs across many groups every week. Um, I've never involved myself in them. They're not my business. But there are certain things in life which I find quite intolerable. So, first of all, let me just state that this happened at the start of December on a group called Jowers Outpost, UK and Ireland Star Wars Trading Group. And I'll be honest, I'm in this group, but it's one of those groups that I've never interacted in, never really looked at, and to be honest, you didn't realise I was properly in it until a certain set of messages I did notice and uh, found quite disgraceful. So just a quick bit of a backstory about this group. They were basically formed and run by people who had been banned from Echo Base UK, uh, that Facebook group. Um, a James Garfield, who was banned a few years back from Echo, was the one that started up this Jowers post. And when I go back through the posts of this Jowers group, the majority of them are slagging off Echo Base constantly. And it must if you're active in that group, it must be a real a real drain on you. It is quite a, a quite a pathetic group when you go back and read it. Now we all know Echo have strict rules. Um, I got banned several years ago for questioning a rule, but 
I, I've come to the conclusion with Echo, if you don't like the rules and you don't want to abide by them, don't be part of that group. It's quite it's quite simple and quite logical to me. Now, not naming names from Echo, but one of the admins from there had a bit of a meltdown about missing some deal on Echo USA group because the rules were slightly different or something along those lines. But that, that's not really the interest to me here. What I was infuriated was, was the post that was then put up on the JAWS outpost group. Now, I'm not going to swear, but I am going to use some derogative terms here. So please feel free to jump jump on a few minutes if you want to miss them so james garfield he is mr jowell's outpost he is an admin and he writes two posts based on echo on this same day using the words spastic and retard to describe certain echo admins now his little following on this group join the conversation the language and remarks from several group members is absolutely disgusting and vile stuff that i cannot repeat on here now one of the echo admin is slightly overweight and we have this james garfield who is probably of a similar stature mocking up pictures of extremely obese individuals who are bed bound with echo admin this echo admin's head on the body um and he continues to use more language like spastic and retard throughout this this post those words weren't acceptable in the 70s and 80s they shouldn't have been they certainly don't have a place in society today so this continues. We then have this James Garfield then uses Simon Weston as an insult. Now, for those who maybe aren't in the UK who don't know who Simon Weston is, he was a soldier who nearly lost his life fighting for the freedom of the Falklands and he suffered horrific facial injuries. He was a brave and honourable man. And you then get this parasite, this Garfield individual, using the way he looks to insult another individual. Now, I've met the Echo Admin at a couple of events and I know them to say hello to, but I don't know them, know them. So we then have another vile, uh, another vile human being, a Derek Whiteside, who joins in. So he replies in discussion about the Echo Admin. His response reads, um, he names the Echo Admin, has a spastic child, deaf to them all. Now, I have no idea whether this admin has a disabled child, but either way, it's not a needed comment. It's a disgusting comment. So I wasn't impressed. So I thought I'm going to respond on this thread because that is bang out of line. There's, There's tons of messages here and no one is saying anything. So I, I put a post on there saying, I th- you know, you, you bang out of line. Why are we using this kind of language in this day and age? Uh, a Jowers, another admin off Jowers Outpost, he does respond to my message straight away saying that he's lost for words and he finds the thread massively offensive. He went on to ask what the post was achieving. He stated it made the group look pathetic. And about 10 minutes later, he quit being an admin on that on that group. He said that. He cannot associate himself with that. And then someone we know all quite well, I'm not going to name them again, was also an admin on that group. He also quit as admin the same day and quit the group altogether as he didn't want to be associated with it. So I get support from a handful of people on this thread, two and a half thousand people on this group and only four or five are willing to say anything that it isn't acceptable. So this Derek Whiteside, he carries on. He goes on the offensive. He's calling me out. He's referring to me constantly as a snowflake, as a woman, as a bitch. And uh, that these terms are fine. It's just a PC state we live in. Blah, de blah. And he even then states later in it that racism is acceptable if it's in the correct context. Now, he obviously realizes this is uh, an inappropriate comment and he does finally delete that. But, uh, yeah, racism is acceptable in in the correct context. Absolute joke. So these two bigots, in my opinion, should not be welcomed in any form across the community. They may well be like that in everyday life, and we can't make a difference to that. But what we can do is to prevent idiots like this voicing their prejudice 
I never say that word, amongst this fantastic community that we're all part of. We don't need that kind of scum in, in our hobby. Now, Derek Whiteside was then on Jabber's Court bidding on an item that was sold by a friend of all of ours. I said something on that thread and sent both the seller and the Jabber's admin a message and explaining why I think his bid should be removed. And he eventually the bid was removed and he was banned from all the Jabber's groups. So Derek, before he realised he'd been banned, he, he private messages me saying I'm pathetic. And he said, I'm going to come over and see you. I'm going to come to your neck of the woods. We'll have this out, blah, blah, blah. Or being all the big man. Um, he lives in Northern Ireland, so he's going to pay a lot of money just to punch me in the face. But, uh, yeah, let him do it. And then he gets banned from the group. And then he obviously realises that, oh, actually, I'm getting banned. And he sends me this this message. Uh, you would have to read it to believe it. A completely different person. So both James Garfield, Derek Whiteside, you are both intolerable individuals. I urge every forum owner and Facebook group admin to check your members. If these two abusive people are in your groups, ban them. We do not need this type or any type of discrimination in this hobby. If we can help ourselves to prevent this behaviour, then we should. They should be removed. They shouldn't be welcomed. And for the members of Jowers Outpost that read those comments like that and say nothing, shame on you. Shame on all of you. I have 70 Facebook friends in that group and you should all do yourself a favour and leave that group. That is not something you want to be part and parcel of. What amazed me on that, just before I left that group, uh, the, the thread got locked down. All mine and anyone else questioning its posts got deleted, yet they kept the messages that use that language, which I just think says it all about that group. And I, I, I think it's it's disgusting. And seriously, if any forum owner or Facebook admin wants evidence of this, I've got all the screenshots, of every comment that made. I just think it is absolutely disgusting and shouldn't be welcomed in this community, I think. They're, they're just they're just bigots. And I can't be doing with that kind of rubbish. Boys, sorry to stop the podcast like that, but they wound me up. I had to get off my chest. Um, I'm not sure you boys saw it or anything. No, I didn't see it. I think I am a member of that group, but again, like you, I don't think I've ever interacted with it. Um, is there a crowdfunding thing to get this guy over here to punch you in the face or not? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's important to bring attention to these things. I mean, there was a guy, and this is going to be, well, I don't know, if you're talking about bigots, then uh, hopefully you'll, you'll be fine. I, I was on a few Barbie groups, and uh, some guy came on and started calling people like me all the words you can probably think of. Someone who was, at the time, buying, <laughs> researching Barbie stuff. And, uh, yeah, I got called all sorts of names, and so did a few other guys. And I was like, hang on a minute, hang on a minute, hang on. who cares? What's going to do with you? What, what a group I'm on. I don't care. And uh, he happened to be a prominent member of various Star Wars groups. And uh, he's not a very nice individual. I'm not going to mention his name, but he's like you say, he was, you've already said words that can be associated with him. And uh, I, I was a bit, I thought, hang on a minute, you can't be saying this sort of stuff. Then go on a Star Wars group. And then I saw he'd mentioned a few nasty words on Star Wars groups. So, uh, you know, any, any any group he was on, I just contacted the admins and put his name for and said, look, this guy said this sort of thing. Shouldn't be allowed on it. And I think there has to be some stage a chance to reform his characters because they're they're saying this stuff i don't know why maybe i think they they think it's cool or it's funny or they're you know they can get away with it online but they've got to realize that there's consequences and i think if they get banned you know they've got to make some sort of amends if they want to come back you know i do want to see people reformed i like seeing people reformed because I think everyone has a chance to go why why have you said that you know and if they come back and explain why they said it and apologize 
then there's always another chance for them. But yeah, I think for now, everyone should be wary of these characters and have them banned because, you know, you don't, I mean, there's so many good people out there on these groups with, and there's, there's a, there's a couple of lads on, on Echo Modern stuff with kids who are disabled. And I think if they saw that, they'd be, uh, I think people would be horrified. It's just not needed. It's not, it's not banter, with, it's not banter, is it? It's, it's not just, at all, is it? It's joking not. It's just, around between it's, mates. Just, it's just outright scum of abuse, like you say. I don't know. I don't know why they're saying it. I don't know what they think it is. Maybe but they if just. You, if you go back through that group, if you're still on there, I've left now. I, I don't want anything to do that. I don't need that in my life. But if you go back through this group, uh, this James Garfield has posted pictures and said things about things. It, it, there's there's numerous comments on there. His He's, this isn't a one-off thing. This isn't something he's just done uh, having that kind of day. And this Derek Wiseside, when he first uh, PM'd me, he, he went um, that he he offered to come and beat someone up in Scarborough from the Star Wars community two years ago. And he was he has he put it right there was my phone. Um, he was a little a little whiny woman as well or something. So you know these these boys aren't they, they've got previous. They are they are not nice people. And as far as I'm concerned, we don't need that that kind of thing in this hobby if they want to be part of the hobby then let them have their little jowers group but um don't let them have access to the wealth of knowledge that's across other groups because i tell you now there's no wealth of knowledge in that jowers group they are a bunch of idiots <laughs> and if you're in that group you're an idiot so leave I it have, i have no idea if i'm even, if I'm even in it or not <laughs> i don't even know got so many groups <laughs> but I, I i mean i just think it's you know it seems to be a thing at the moment people like this kind of Caught, yeah. I mean, this whole thing about using a woman as an insult. I mean, you've got some issues there if, if that's your if that's your thing, isn't it? I mean, goodness sake, like, what is wrong with people? I mean, I mean, I I, I know, I think we're one of the only podcasts that haven't involved any ridiculous drama across like social media. We seem to be kind of quite well well out of this sort of thing. I mean, maybe it's a matter of time before we get involved in it. Mm. I yeah, I just I couldn't sit and just let. It was just their attitude, and no one was calling out. There was people questioning some of the, the bad language, but no one was talking about the derogatory terms that they'd written at the top. And I was just like, what? what is... So, to lose two admins from, a, from an admin team of eight, I think it was, they lost two of them. They didn't want anything to do with it. They were embarrassed. Uh, they both sent me private messages. They were like, you know, I'm, that's nothing to do with me. Don't uh, I don't want that reflection on me. That's why I haven't named them on here, because they did the right thing and they left, you know? But very sad. It's very sad that this that grown. I mean, you know, let's face it, pretty much all people across the groups, there's a certain age. And you're thinking, haven't we got over that sort of thing by now? Have we, and we got past those sort of words. You know, this is this is stuff, for, you know, idiots on, you know, 20 year olds on Twitter saying nonsense to each other. Not not grown men with kids and in some cases grown kids. It shouldn't be happening. That's, well, that's, to say to someone oh. your son is is retarded or whatever it was, um, deaf to you all. But I mean, I just and, you know, the chances are this bloke will say nothing to this bloke's face. He's just on the Internet. This, this is the same as we talked about a couple of months ago, the trolling. And it's it's just disgraceful. But hey, I must say, if you're in that group, leave. If you don't, <laughs> that's your choice. But, um, you know, my views on it. Hey, Stuart, run for the month. Hi there, this is Mike Quinn, and I played Nine Num in Star Wars Return of the Jedi and the new films, and welcome to the Vintage Rebellion. Right, now lads, I've acquired several lovely pieces for my collection this month. In fact, I think some of my favourite items have come in this last month. But before we go into our latest acquisitions, I want to discuss Farthest From, where I picked up several of these items. But Farthest From was a couple of weeks ago now when we're recording. 
obviously it's the Christmas weekend down in Fordham Bridge. I, I picked up Jace on the way halfway down and we arrived around 1.30 and me and Jace headed over to the town hall where Fanford Day was taking place. Fanford Trakes uh, host Fanford Day. I think it's for local charities. I think that's what they're raising the money for. And whilst in the hall, I bumped into Steve and his brother Dave. Now, Steve, can you give our listeners an overview of what was happening at Fanford Day? Brother Dan... But we'll go with that. <laughs> Dan. What did I say? It's Dan. Uh, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Brother Dave. Oh, dear. Um, well, what was going on? Um, yeah, it was what, what is always seems to be going on now on a Saturday in Fording Bridge. It's, it's uh, Dave Tree's fantastic Fantha Day, Fantha Fun Day. Um, he has all sorts of kind of uh, little pop-up carnival booths where you can kind of throw a instead of a coconut shy you're knocking planets down um there was a play your cards right game which i have to say i did particularly well at myself and uh yeah all sorts of really good fun things going on where you could you know win win some prizes win some tickets uh that you added up to get a prize at the end um generally great great little event going on raising a bit of money for the local charity so that was nice as well um and there were a few little sellers in there as well people selling a little bit of vintage mainly modern but there was a couple of vintage bits uh for sale in there and there was of course something that i was quite excited about there was a gentleman there who was about 18 foot tall uh and he was uh, the body of snoke uh and he was able to do some signings and photographs uh so another one added to my autograph collection. So it was nice to meet him. Lovely guy called Ross. He was a lovely bloke. Seven foot one and um, standing alongside Cy. You could see that Cy was happy not to have to crouch to talk to anybody for once. <laughs> uh, the only thing with Fanford Day was a little bit disappointing. It was, it was quite quiet in there, wasn't it? It wasn't, wasn't very busy, which is a shame because they do put a lot of effort into that day. Yeah, I think it, it was it was a bit quiet, but it's one of those um, it's one of those strange things, isn't it? There's not a there's not a big rush for the door to open as there is with the Sunday farthest from. So people do seem to go in and out all day long. I've been I've been there myself on various Saturdays at various different times of the day. And there's always been eight, 10, 15 people in the room at any given time, but it's never been rammed busy. So I do think they, they probably do quite a decent trade. It's just quite spread out. So people went in, checked into the hotels. We went for a bit of lunch with Gus Lopez, which I found really interesting because Gus and Steve both collect Pokemon. I've never don't know anything about that. So I got a bit of an education in there. They run around towns trying to find digital animals, <laughs> which uh, still going over my head now. <laughs> well you know you got to find something to do i really enjoyed i really enjoyed having lunch with gus i thought that was an interesting experience not just not just to talk about star wars either we have we both have a a, a retail uh commercial background as to what we do what we do for a living so it was great just to be able to kind of pick his brains on a couple of retail bits as well and find out a bit more about what he does in, in his uh non-star wars life yeah that was it was great shout to have lunch yeah it was nice so we then hit the pub we had a few beers a few drinks i discovered jammy dodgers now listeners next time you're in a bar ask for a jammy dodger or you'll have a lovely surprise i've bought the stuff in so i can do them at christmas oh jammy dodger and then we went over went to go over the town hall and jez was standing in the hallway which was not expected he'd only returned the evening before um i was expecting him to be the family for the two weeks and he'd driven down for a a few beers and the Christmas dinner. So great to see him. Great to uh, share the evening with him as well. 
we went over to the dinner. We watched the video from Empire Day, which was which was quite funny. Um, sat and had some a nice meal, good conversation. And then both Ross, who Steve just mentioned, who was uh, Snoke's body double, Ross Ambridge and Gus Lopez, they did talks after the meal, which were both absolutely fascinating. I found them both. I thought they were both really, really good after dinner speakers, really engaging. Now, Rich, can you tell us what they kind of both spoke about? Because they're very, very different. Yeah, so um, I'm going to go back to the jazz thing. It, it was it was certainly not um, unpredictable. I was coming down with spoons. I said, "There's no way jazz is not going to be here." So it was kind of a bit of a. Um, it was nice to see jazz, but uh, it was entirely expected. Really, it was no way he was not going to come and see where father's from. But it, it was nice to see him. Yeah, so Ross talked about his time on set, about how his. Um, it's difficult for me to remember this because I talked to Ross over breakfast as well the next morning. So some of it he shared in the morning, some of it shared in the evening. But he discussed how initially, obviously, all things Snoke was Andy Circus, And they were a bit wary of revealing Ross and allowing Ross to go out and do signings and stuff. But it was actually Andy Circus himself who Ross said was absolutely super cool. And he was very, oh no, Ross, you're just as much of Snoke as I am. You know, so so that I found that really fascinating. But I think a lot of Ross's scenes are when he's sitting on the throne and he's spreading his fingers out. Those are Ross, and that they're not Andy. And I, I found a lot of that fascinating. And Gus's talk was Before absolutely. Before you go to Gus, Rich, can I just say, yep. um, I also found quite interesting. And now Ross, like we said earlier, seven foot one, and he's got a curvature of the spine. And he did say that Snoke wasn't hunched originally. And that has come from his body shape of his curvature has made Snoke in that kind of hunched position, which I found quite fascinating that like a body double can change the, the way we look at a character like that. Well, that was interesting. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And then Gus talked about his collecting journey. Um, he talked a lot about how some collectors are too elitist now and everybody started off somewhere. He put his very first post up on the internet where he was saying hi I'm Gus I'm looking for toys where's the best place to go I found that really fascinating he talked about his collection how to get into props the latest episode of Making Tracks actually has the whole interview in there so I was listening to that just a few days ago and and found that um, fascinating and really refreshing so it was absolutely brilliant and he had lots of photographs up there and obviously the Death Stars he still had a piece but he talked about lots of other items that he had and some, some items were new to me he talked about cereal boxes and you know how he goes about tracking them down, talked about locations, had about another 20 minutes of Q&A from the audience as well, and some of those questions were really fascinating. But it, it was brilliant. You, you can talk to Gus for you know hours and hours and hours and not repeat yourself. He's, he's such a wealth of knowledge, so, such a generous guy with his time. I'd echo that, actually, Rich. You're right. For someone who is... And to be honest with you, I found this with a lot of collectors. When when I started coming as a collector, you get people, oh, you know, they're the inner circle, they're, they're closed ranks, they don't. And I found it anything but. I think Gus is is really down to earth, a really nice point. And I think Chris G and Ron, who, who are on here with the Alliance, you know, you, ask, you need a question answered, you ask them, they'll answer you. There's no, no airs or graces. They're all really, really nice people. And we'll always give you the time to, to answer your questions then. They're great, and the talk was amazing. So we move on to Sunday at Farthest From. Now I've never seen the horse. No, 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 no. I want you. To, I want to cover the quiz. What quiz? 
what quiz? <laughs> right, okay. Hold <laughs> on, hold on. You're not getting, you're not getting away with this. So the ending of the night was a quiz. Okay, so initially I thought it was the weakest link because I selected you and Jez to be part of the quiz, and it was the Vintage Rebellion versus Gus. So I thought, okay, they've took Jez. You know, Mister Movie Buff knows everything about the original trilogy. You know, his biggest claim to fame is. Can you recite the entire movie from start to finish, I think? Something along those lines, anyway. So I thought, right, we've got Mr. Movie Buff there. We've got Stu, who's there for eye candy. And then on the opposite side, we've got Gus. So I thought, right, okay, we've got a chance here. And it was Blockbusters. And with Blockbusters, it's always quite easy because it gives you the first letter. So if it's going to be what X is, you know, there's not many Xs. So can I thought, I, oh, wait, wait, Rich, can I just, I'm just going to interrupt you for one minute. Yeah. Right. Like, you're right, you get the first letter. When I went up there, first of all, I thought it was going to be about toys and collecting. Uh, one one, one question about collecting. Don't think anywhere, with it? But a lot of it was modern. I, even the first three questions, I was only thinking about the OT films, and they were coming out with like answers from like, The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. And, Pete, you might have known it, but I haven't read the Dr. Aphra comics. Why would I know her first name? <laughs> I always got mad. North. Me and Jess were both sitting there. We were whispering to each other, going, "You know, no." <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, it built up and it was really well battled. I mean, you know, the the eyes were going across and Gus was coming down, and it all was resting on an L. So the question was, <laughs> what? Well, you know what I'm going to go now, don't you? And <laughs> this me. made the night. This made the night, okay? So it was an L, and it was something along the lines of, what L is the classification of the Imperial Shuttle? And Jez's hand went right up in the air, movie buff, champion, and he went, lamb. And you could feel everybody in the audience were just about to get up and cheer and clap, and then he went, lamb-border. And just... Everybody went silent, as if to say, you utter burke, how could you have got that word? And then obviously Ghost of God, obviously, is this lambda. Oh, it was so funny, we were crying with laughter. Um, <laughs> now, just, I just want to bring something up there. Pete, okay, now you know Rich is often, um, he comes to these things, he has one or two beers, and he's quite reserved, he moves on to his diet coke and stuff. Rich was in, I, I said, now I did say to Jez, sorry when we got back to the room, I said Rich was in a really, really good spirits tonight. He was drinking, he was drinking pint after pint. He got to the quiz, which was late at night, and he got really rowdy, really raucous. Everything we answered, he was slagging us off across the room. I was thinking, <laughs> well, cheers Rich, <laughs> thanks for your support. I think you were just very bitter that you weren't chosen to represent TVR. Not at all, no, not at all, but I, I, I was expecting more from Jez, I expected you just to be, you know, sitting there, but I thought Jez with a lot of the movie questions, especially that, you know, the Lambda, the Lambda class, everybody knows that, but it was just, we went Lambora, it was just brilliant, it was such a good end at the night, it was a late night. At least I would have got one question right, the, the Dr. Apple one I would have got. <laughs> so moving on, the Sunday at Father's from, I have never seen the hall so full of vendors. Uh, more tables than ever before, without a doubt. So much on offer. Steve, walking around the floor, give me two or three. What were your picks from what was on sale? Ooh, what were my picks? I would say Mark had a really beautiful artworked cork board. It had to be maybe two foot tall by just over maybe 14, 15 inches wide absolutely gorgeous it was that kind of marvelous comic type 
artwork across the front of it. I've never seen one like it before. Completely sealed, shrink-wrapped, stickered, stunning piece. Absolutely stunning piece. And then over on um, over on Mark Daniels' stall, so the other Mark, Mark Hockley for the first one, Mark Daniels for the second one, um, he had a really nice pinball machine type thing going on, which was also really cool. Just beautiful artwork. Yeah, they were probably the two things that I didn't buy that I looked at and umdenard over the most. Yeah, yeah, they probably ended up in some real, real hunky collection, I should think. <laughs> Rich also opposite where we had a little table for sales. Opposite us, um, Jason Joyner done a little Gary Kurtz kind of memorial thing. Um, well, he bought a couple of items. He, he had a he had a business card with Gary Curtis's name on, which he'd framed pretty nicely, and he brought one of the Norwegian jackets from Finsa that the that the wore the blue one, which belonged to Gary Kurtz. Um, I believe there's been a um, a modern reproduction of them by some park is it Columbia something like that. Yeah. Um, but it was one of the original ones, and that was great. He, he was allow he was allowing people to try it on. Which I was, I was quite surprised at because obviously these are worth quite a, a bit of money. But Jason also had lots of items under his table which weren't for sale but just for show. And every hour or so he's bringing a new thing out. And the best one for me was the whole, um, Popey set. And he had the, he had all of the Popeys together but they'd been, um, shrink wrapped together in a, it, it was sent to him like that so he's not sure if it should be taken out or whether it stays like that. We've seen a couple of them for sale online that's in, in exactly the same kind of condition where they're shrink-wrapped. So we're not sure if this has come from a Japanese vendor who's done it or whether it's been like that, you know, since since it was it was made, maybe overstocked or something. I've got no idea. But it was it was nice. And he also had lots of nice corded figures as well, which he was just passing around. Yeah, about, about every hour or so he brings something out, which was nice to see. Those poker figures were amazing and he let me take a photo and i asked him if i could share them uh, on our social media which he's happy for so we do have the image of that incredible incredible i totally agree uh, an absolute amazing weekend it was it was one of the best full weekends i've had for father's run for a long while really really enjoyed the saturday night i really enjoyed the sunday um there's some great people there there was some great people missing pete you were missed i will happily say that i, I always enjoy seeing your little friendly face it was a great show day Little. three Always does it. Always. It puts so much into it. And Dave seemed a lot more relaxed to me this Father's from than what I've seen him previously. He seemed a little bit more chilled out, which I think Saturday night, you know, we stood around drinking for quite a while after the show end, um, evening ended, didn't we? Quite a lot of extra things. So. And I've got to just say he did a ra- does his Christmas raffle for his local charity. And I've got this huge Anakin cardboard thing, which I, I was determined a bit on it. Episode one. I found out that it was used in Argos in the windows. There's another two. But this thing is massive. It came in two halves and it's basically Anakin's head with his pod racing helmet and goggles on. Pete, you'll love it. It's going to look amazing in your shed. It is massive. It's it's the kind of thing that I typically buy, typically bid on at Father's Rum and end up owning. So I want to go on to our acquisitions because I'm sure we all bought something. I'm going to start with Pete. It wasn't a Father's Rum, but I have a hunch. They maybe have added some decker. Uh, no, actually no. But I did add some things from Foggy, even though I wasn't there, because I had to meet Richard on the motorway for an exchange of things, which I can't go into, just in case. But Richard presented me with a Christmas present for me, which was very nice of him, which was a 
a Dixie Cup, an Empire Strikes Back Dixie Cup, the generous man that he is. No expense spared, I think. So that was very nice, Rich. Thank you very much. Sadly, it got a bit crushed when I accidentally dropped the computers. I mean, the things that you gave me on top of it. So, But I have managed to push it back into shape. So it's still there. It's still alive. What's um, the design? What's the design? Tell me the design of it. Oh, crikey. I'll have to go get up and have a look. It's just, I think, what was it? What was on it, Rich? Star Destroyer or something? I think it was the Imperial Cruiser, yeah. It's sitting there on one of my Empire shelves. And then I got presented with another gift, this time from Steve Savory, uh, which was, I hope it's a gift anyway, I don't owe him any money, um, which was a, a lovely car back with um, the, the Black Bespin security guard on it. Nice piece. Um, I'm now down to 16 car backs to get, and I've got the whole lot. Um, I'm sadly, a few you didn't ones. have that as a car back, because he's one of your favourite characters. <laughs> He is. I've got it. I've got. I've got it. You know, as a mock, but I don't have the the car back. So, uh, but the only thing that was, see, normally I have a couple of rules. I have to have the nameplate. Now this didn't technically have the nameplate, but it wasn't cut out th- through the card, so there was no hole. But some child had written back in security guard on the front, so that still counts. I know it sounds strange, but as long as it's got a nameplate on, then it's okay. As long as it's the not been torn out completely. Well, you know, that's that's that. Them's the rules. So thank you very much, Steve. Happy Christmas. Uh, no, no presents from Stu. Very disappointing. Um, very sad. Uh, Stuart said um, he said bar humbug. Um, what else do I do? I, I got and I got this just in the last month, but it kind of counts for this one, which was the design wear Empire Strikes Back party hats, which there's eight of them in the bag. It's a very nicely sealed bag. A bit crushed, but that yeah, it's quite cheap as well. So I got some party hats, um, and also a very odd vintage kind of item. And I'm going to put it in the category of holiday special items. I was in town for my eye test, get a new pair of glasses, and I was wandering around the town waiting for them to be done. Popped into our local kind of record store, and in there, in the cheap pile, was a Jefferson Starship album. Um, and it's there. It's the gold. It's the gold album. And it's the first time that the song. Let me just get get the title right. So it's the Jefferson Starship Gold. And it's the first time on an album they had the song "Light the Sky on Fire," which is obviously the the track from Holiday Sorry. Special, which they they did. Yeah. Oh, hello. So yeah, um, a little bit of weird vintage on that one, but uh, it's a really nice album actually. Um, I am a bit of a friend, a fan of Jefferson Starship and Starship and Jefferson Airplane. So, um, yeah, and the, the the actual album cover, check it out. It's really, really nice. It doesn't mention Star Wars at all or Holiday Special at all, but I know it is. So that's all that counts. Oh, yes, yeah, Stu, there is something. Oh, yeah, I forgot all about it. And it's worth mentioning. My old mother, she works in a charity shop and a big collection of stuff came in. And normally there's someone in there and they're going through all the Star Wars stuff. And she's like, oh, that's worth loads of money. Put it on eBay. But um, she managed to sniffle something out for six quid. Now, six quid, what else can you buy for six pounds? A Harrison Ford autograph for six English pounds. Now, it's uh, it's from The Fugitive. And it is a framed uh, certificate of authenticity thing bought from um, Disney store. I don't know why or how that happened with The Fugitive. I have no idea. It was a Disney film, but it's an autograph. Very faint, though. It was, it was done in gold pen on um, The Fugitive's sort of yellow well sort of yellowy gray jumper so it doesn't really stand out but it is there and it is genuine but and it's beautifully framed as well so i'm gonna stick it up in the shed um it's nice to have a bit of harrison ford in my shed but uh what an absolute bargain absolute bargain the frame alone must be worth six pounds so you know <laughs> if i get bored of it or it fades completely into oblivion 
then uh, then I'll have to put something else in there. But yeah, I was pretty chuffed with that. A bit of Harrison Ford in my shed. Love it. You've had quite a good month, Pete. <laughs> For me, yeah, sadly, little gimpy kids get in the way. I, I couldn't make it because I had couldn't find anyone. To, the game did go ahead and we did lose, but very narrowly, bless them. <laughs> uh, first is first, second is nowhere. Steve, what have you added? Wow, I've had a hell of a month. It's been crazy. Uh, I've kind of gone cast and crew. Yeah, it's just cast and crew, cast and crew. I managed to pick up uh, an Empire Strikes Back cast and crew passport that was used for guys to get on and off of set. So that's a gorgeous piece, something that I've kind of looked at uh, longingly when I've seen uh, people in the past add add, add them to their collection. And um, uh, that happened to come up on the cast and crew Facebook group. Uh, and I jumped on it straight away. I even got a comment on there saying, blimey, that was quick because it was literally it appeared. And I was like, yes, <laughs> that was mine. Uh, so that came my way. And then at Farthest From, I uh, had a little chat with a the seller there who was selling a Trixie item. So Trixie's, uh, I believe everybody would would know this by now. It's the code name for the upcoming episode nine. Um, and uh, yeah, managed to pick that up. Uh, something that Gus was interested in, curiously himself. Um, but we'd kind of we kind of came to a, a happy agreement between him, the seller, and myself that I could take this, and if another one comes or another piece from that that particular film comes available, uh, it's got Gus's name on it. So that was lovely. Um, and then I got uh, also at farthest from from Christian. Uh, happened to just be chatting to him as he was pulling some bits out of a box and something he pulled out of a box was uh, a, a tri- Trilogo miscard. So I think it's my eighth Trilogo miscard um, for that little run as such that I'm putting together. Uh, it's a C-3PO on the Death Star droid uh, card back. Absolutely smashed bubble. It's the bottom of it's broken, the top of it's broken, but it's still a beautiful thing. And it's a true one. Um, there's a tiny bit of tape on the bottom, but you couldn't, you could never get the body of the figure out. And what's even nicer about this, for me at least, I think it's, I think it makes it just that bit more fun. Um, the, as I say, the bubble is is battered, the card back's crushed and cr- and creased, but even C-3PO removable limbs, one of his arms, his uh, his right arm has fallen off inside the bubble, <laughs> so it's kind of the ultimate insult. Of, uh, of damaged goods. One other thing of note that I came away from Farthest From with, uh, kind of a double hit really, uh, both both involving Rich. So he managed to bring down from Vectis for me um, a full set of Star Wars comics, uh, all bar um, something like number 100 and 107 or something along those lines, which I happened to pick up on the day. So I came away from Farthest From with a full run of um, Star Wars Marvel comics. And Richard very kindly brought down one of his um, bottle caps that he's mentioned on previous episodes and uh, very happily the Han Solo one. So, yeah, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant month for me. I've been absolutely smashed it. I'm completely broke. Need to stop spending. Celebration will be on me before I know it. But wow, what a month. Brilliant. Blimey. Yeah, Every, everyone's on it. It's Christmas soon. Uh, <laughs> this, this shouldn't be happening. Rich, what, what have you added? 
well, yeah, you're right, it's Christmas shoot, it shouldn't be happening, and then obviously celebrations are on the corner as well. So I've purchased a Made in Mexico um, squid head carded that some Muppet outed in our um, text chat, and I was the winning bidder on that, and I had, it was something like eight minutes to go, and I was like, oh, I'm going to get sniped here by one of you lot, but I managed to get that for under 50 quid, I think it was, so I'm pleased with picking that up. Um, I purchased a full set of the diecast stands for me and Sanderson, so they just arrived a couple of days ago. So I am, you know, really excited to set them up on my Palatoy desktop and see what they look like. So pleased with them. Over at Father's Farm, I purchased a couple of items that I wasn't intending to buy. Um, I really, really wished I had have got the um the oral B spirit of the jedi toothbrush but i saw it and i thought it's pointless even asking the price is going to be too high and it went for an absolute bargain i was kicking myself so i i come for purchased a couple of other things so i got the judah the death star racing game which the box is a little bit tidy it's certainly displayable but the contents inside are are unused and I think I got that for about 35 quid from Mark Daniel, so I was over the moon with that. I got two Return of the Jedi jigsaws to build me jigsaw collection up. And also from Mark Daniels, I got the Darth Vader TIE Fighter NPC model kit. But this one is the Dennis, Dennis Fisher version, which was the UK distributor. So I'm, I'm quite pleased to pick that up um, to add to me NPC kit collection. Um, I was also given the most yellowed R5 I've ever seen in my life. This must have been, you know left in the sun underneath a magnifying glass in Hawaii yellow you know never seen anything like it so I think it was Roundstar gave us that so so cheers for that one Roundstar that's going to sit on my collection somewhere um, and to top them all off um, a really really nice carded item so I've got a Palatoy 45C R5D4 and it's one of two that's known to exist so I was listening to the Kitecast recently when they did their um you know the classification system about what what makes a grail and what's not a grail and they were arguing things like what fine fest shouldn't be classed as a grail because so many of them um which is fair enough i think most people would appreciate that but they said that a grail really should be an item that's of one well i'm not so certain on that one because if there are only two known then surely getting one of those is also a grail um, you know, but at the end of the day, the word doesn't mean anything really. It's uh, it's one of two, and I'm really pleased to have it. And I was also given a couple of card backs, um, one from Jason Smith and one from Lawrence Dyer recently. So I've actually got the Palatoy 45A as a card back, 45B and C as cards, and I think Jason had given me the 41 um, as a as an R5D4 card back. So they will do until I can get the the carded figures to replace those, which could take me another 10 years to, to find them. So a good one for me as well. Oh, and obviously your father's form picked up a ridiculous amount of acrylic from uh, Christian. Uh, probably probably bought about 20 uh, mock cases. And I've finished, finally, after a number of years now, I've finished me loose collection and baggy collection. And every one of them is in cases as well now. So pleased with that. Oh, and I picked up some Dixie Cups as well at father's form. So... I'm, I'm slowly ticking away at the Dixie Club collection. <laughs> That's like the old Rich of old. That is a list and a half that everyone's been uh, right on it. Rich, you, you had so much stuff around the back of our table. And like that Death Star game, I've, they've had that there for a few times. I look at it and it's, I love it. 
And I always think, when we're going to put that? And you're all going to think to yourself, Stuart, you go home with the biggest things. You remember a Toto and an Ewok and stuff. But I've always um, toned it away because of the size of it. And your TIE Fighter kit was beautiful. Loved it. Loved the box. So great, great items. First of all, I just want to say a big thank you to Nick Shear. He's, um, he gave me a, I'm not sure what number it is, um, the black BB unit from Last Jedi. He had a, a standee of that used in the supermarket and he put on the forum who... Who wants this? Who wants this? For, and I said, yes, please. And he'd given it to Chris Hong, who had then bought it down to Father's Strong for me. So massive thank you to him for that. So what kind of month I had? So I just want to say, first of all, Gus Lopez, his comprehensive guide to Star Wars book of collectibles. A mass, massive, great book. And do you know how many times I keep looking on Amazon? I keep looking on eBay and you're talking 100, 125 quid. Can't find them anywhere else. I probably looked for that book for the last two years. And I was walking around the floor and he, he got one out of his briefcase and he put it on his table. And I was just like, went up to him and said, oh, you know, oh, you've got one of them here. He goes, oh, yeah, it's the only one I bought with me because the size of it. And I was just like, oh, see, for sale. And he was like, yeah, yeah. And I picked it up for 35 quid and it is amazing. I love Tomarts, but this book's like Tomarts, but with with more. It comes right through to Revenge of the Sith. And it's just a, such an amazing book. I've had the best two weeks flicking through that and wanting to buy random stuff from 30 years of stuff rather than just eight it's it's crazy it's such a good book so big thank you to gus for letting me have that while he was over here i've carried on with the loose collection only added four this month uh, imperial commander emperor hand trench and manaman but uh, all crossed off all top 10 figures without a doubt let, let me just go through a few oddball items I picked up first of all. First of all, I'm, I'm, I love my vinyl, so I picked up a, a German version of the story of Star Wars and a French 7-inch disco theme, uh, which was on Mark Daniels' stall at Farthest From. It's, it's brilliant. love listening to that. Uh, I picked up an Icarus shop display poster at Farthest From. I picked up a Return of Jedi, Make It and Bake It, Gamorrean Guard Suncatcher, uh, Jezbolt Yard 2 at the same time, £5. Paul Davis, not the amount for. Brilliant. Uh, Dixie Cup Star Wars box. Quite happy with that. Uh, I bought some York peanut butter lids. The complete set of that because you don't see 2-1-B on, on too much too often. While we were there, now, Steve's already alluded to them. Uh, the, Ita- the Italian pinball game, the Bagatelle game. Uh, picked that up of Mark Daniels. There's two for sale at Forest from now. I have ummed and ahed over that. I've seen it a few times pop up at different conventions and Mark gave me a good price. It's both its flippers are intact, which are often broken. It's got an original ball with it. So really happy with that. The artwork on that is amazing. And I also bought the cork board of Mark Hockley, the uh, ESB cork board, which is shrink wrapped, uh, made by Manton Cork Corporation. Now, I would looked at it several times over the course of the day, kind of decided against it. And as I was leaving, I went over to say goodbye to Mark and um, he refused to say goodbye to me. He was like, you, you need it, you need it. He, he knocked a chunk of money off. I couldn't leave it behind. It is amazing. Pete, you will love it because you love the comics. So it's got that kind of artwork and it's ESB. I think you'd um, be right up your street. Um, What else have I got? I've been, I started buying a lot of adverts, but adverts I like the looks of. I want to get a big, big folder and some uh, comic backing boards over Christmas and sit down and um, file them all properly. Really enjoying picking up some of those. But uh, I have added a few mint cards. I picked up three tri-logos, uh, Darth Vader off eBay, and then a stunning layer of Boosh off Simon and Dengar. So I gave me a great deal on them. 
big thank you to him. I've picked up a 12-back Jawa, which has got uh, the pop is removed on it. It's a really lovely card, but it's amazing by having the pop removed, the difference in the price, how much it comes down, <laughs> because that's missing. And also, I bought a resale, Pete. He's disgusted with it. But I bought a resale, a 12-pack. Dirty! A 12-pack Harbert Jower. And I'm going to... I've encased it in acrylic. And it is... Oh, I think it looks absolutely stunning. I am so, so pleased with that. And a, just a snicker of the price of a sealed one. I think it looks really nice. It's sitting next to my Meccano one at the moment. And the 12-pack one, they're all on one shelf. I'm not a Jower collector. It's just... I've been asked that by about three or four people this week. It is just a coincidence that... That is the 12 back that popped up that I was ready to buy. And um, a Harbert came up. That could have been anything on that Harbert. Really, really happy with all them. And just a big shout out to Stefan, who came over from Germany to Father Strom. He gave us all Wampa Poo, a bit of Stollen cake with a special Wampa Poo out of packaging. <laughs> a nice bit of nice bit of swag. Yeah, that's that is my lot. It's been um, been a good month. Really got um, just saying before we came on on tonight, I kind of got a bit of a bit of the bug back i think because i'm focused i know pete kept laughing when i said that on the christmas special but i think i'm focused with what i want on card and i'm also putting together a loose run which is it's great fun going looking for loose figures is great fun it doesn't get any better than that so yeah really happy uh pete before we move on to the quiz i just want to ask you a quick question why did jimmy savile cross the road Forty thousand people want to beat him up but i don't know why uh, to get away from Richard because he thought his short shorts were inappropriate. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, dear. Oh, oh dear. Um, dear. Let's go over to this month's quiz uh, with Steve. Welcome back to the second episode of 1010, where we find out what a bunch of space brains really know about their chosen specialist subjects and, of course, some general knowledge from the Star Wars galaxy. I'm your host for tonight, and we've got three quiz kings with knowledge that is out of this world waiting to show off their talents in the big black chair. First up, we've got Stuart. So, Stuart, last time you told us that cleaning was your passion and a little ceramics is your second favourite little thing to polish. You played a fantastic specialist round last time with Sigma, but what is your specialist subject tonight? <laughs> um, to give the others a chance, um, we're going over to Japan. We're going Popey. I hope that's one of the questions. What country? <laughs> Japan, that's one. Okay, let's Can see. I just say, Steve, um, I do agree with the listeners. I think you had left the theme tune too long last month. Thank you. Thank you for the feedback. Uh, it's always a gift. Right then. Are you sitting uncomfortably? Are you ready? I am ready. 
Okay, then. Question number one. Popey took over the Star Wars license from which previous Japanese toy manufacturer? That would be Takara. Correct. Popey was a subsidiary of which major toy manufacturer? Um, Bandai. Correct. Popey's Star Wars license was associated with which film in particular? Oh, it's a, a Western, wasn't it? Um, oh, Shogun? No, The Empire Strikes Back. Oh, sorry, I thought you meant... Oh, they were big for another cut for another film. I didn't realise you meant Star Wars. Yeah, <laughs> Empire, obviously, that's when it came out, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Star Wars figure range was part of a larger line for Popey. What was that range called? I had no idea, mate. The World Hero range. Never heard of it. Popey issued a display bin with header cards to display their line of Star Wars figures. How many did that display bin hold? Oh, was it four complete sets? So 60? Correct. What year were the Star Wars toys issued by Popey? Uh, 1980. Correct. From the Popey line of Star Wars figures, how many of them had human faces? Oh, whoa. Um, give me. So you had three Lukes. There was two hands. There was a rebel soldier. Six. Um, I think that was it. Six. Correct. Despite being associated with the Empire Strikes Back, how many of the Popey line of Star Wars figures were actually from the first 12? Oh, um, Vader, R2, 3PO, Chewie, Luke, Han. Seven. Correct. One character appears three times within the 15 figure set. Can you name him? That's Luke. Correct. At the end of the line, Popey handed the license over to another company. Which was that? Sakuda. Correct. Okay, Stuart, I've just totted that up and I, I can see you've scored eight out of ten. Well done. Please find your way back to the seats. Right then. And we're going to move on. Thank you, Stuart. We're going to move over now to Rich. So welcome back to 1010 Rich. Uh, you've told the researcher that you're already on your Christmas holidays and you love a bit of metal music. Last time out you played your hand with R5D4. So what's your specialist subject tonight? Well, since I've been buying Dixie Cups, I thought, give it a shot. I know very little about them, but here it goes. Dixie Cups it is then. Are you sitting uncomfortably? And I will begin. Yep. Who developed the Dixie Cup way back in 1907? Oh, it was a, uh, oh, it's called Lawrence Llewellyn or something like that. Lawrence Llewellyn? I'll give you that. Lawrence Lulan. I think that's very acceptable and fantastic piece of knowledge. Where was the company initially based? Massachusetts, Boston. Correct. The Dixie Cup was initially developed to combat passing of germs. This led to a rather simplistic name for the product at the time. What was that name? It was called the Health Cup. Absolutely correct. When the company moved to Pennsylvania, what was notable about their water tower at the production plant? Now you're asking. Um, water towers. Okay, I'm going to say, it, was it shaped like a Dixie cup? 
It was shaped like a giant paper oh. cup. What year were the Star Wars Dixie Cups issued? 1980. Correct. The cups are generally split into character, spaceships, and scenes. Of the 40 different cups in the Star Wars run, how many are character-led? 16. Correct. What year were the ESB Dixie Cups issued? Um, right, I'm going to... I'll go with 81. Correct. <sighs> We've noted Star Wars and ESB, but can you name the other two releases in the line? Yep, Return of the Jedi and the Star Wars Saga. Correct. How many Dixie Cup box fronts are related to ESB? I'll go with the 24. I'm not sure if that's the one with loads on or not. It's eight. Eight, not Yoda, Cloud Car, Vader, Dagobah, Star Destroyer, Atats, Tauntaun, Asteroids. What is the main size of the Dixie Cup in ounces? Five. Correct. So, Rich, with just one wrong answer, you managed to score an amazing nine out of ten. Well done. Take a seat back on the benches, and we will call forward Peter. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> this could be bad. then peter we established last time that you are a 44 year old collector of vintage and modern and it's oh, also definitely. come to light very recently that you're a hater of all things jiffy bag related last time out you had great success with the holiday special but what is your specialist subject tonight well i'm saying specialist uh in the very loosest terms uh but star wars droids apparently star wars droids cartoon series is what i've got down so if you're yeah. sitting uncomfortably let's get started go for it could be fun might okay. get a point question one what is the full name of the colloquially termed droids cartoon uh, what star wars droids adventures rtd2 c3po absolutely correct yeah, one, yes the droids cartoon series uh, aired in the u.s between which years uh 95-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-96-
Uh, wasn't that um, going live? It was going live. It was actually split over two weeks. The whole series was shown twice on CBBC. How many figures make up the droid's toy line? Well, uh, there was 12, unless you count 13 with Vlix and Brazil, but I don't know whether, what answer you want. <laughs> Let's go with 13, because I have included Vlix. Okay, so 13 with Vlix. Wonderful. Which UK food product used droids as a marketing vehicle, including a mail-away offer? Oh, my word. Uh, I'm sure sure I read this somewhere. (laughs) Uh, No idea. It was Dairyly Triangles. Dairyly Triangles. Why was the short-lived computer game pulled from shelves? Wasn't it something to do with the um, uh, licensing of the the end title theme absolutely spot on it was the un- unlicensed use of the end theme tune ridiculous. once again a magnificent performance from somebody that uh, has approached <laughs> the big chair with uh, with some trepidation and you have also scored eight out of ten well done take a seat back on the bench right then and as we would uh, as we have done in the past we're going to start off with uh, people on the lowest scores is the, is next up. Uh, Pete, you are tied with uh, with Stuart on at the back end there on eight points. So if you'd like to come back and join us again, Pete, I've you're, just sat down. You've just sat down. A man like you, all this football coaching, I'm sure you can do a little jog back over to where I'm where I'm sat at the big desk. I'm here. I'm already here. You're here. Um, you you get the first choice so i reached out this this uh, month to the guys over at the newly formed southwesters uh, collectors club a group of lads that have got together in the southwest and are organizing little meetups and i reached out to that little group and said right i'm doing the uh, doing the 1010 quiz i need some general knowledge quiz something that uh, cannot be brought into question uh, after last last month's debacle where uh, a few things were a few things were asked whether or not I'd, I could add up and whether or not I could get things right. And uh, they've managed to provide 30 questions and I've, they've been broken down into question set A, question set B and question set C. So as the first in the chair, you get the first choice, A, B or C, Pete. Well, uh, let's just go for B. B. OK. The Southwesters Collectors Club question set B. Are you ready? No, but let's do it anyway. Let's do it anyway. Question one. What is the first name of General Veers? Uh, uh, I can't remember. Uh, Bernard. (laughs) No, Maximilian. Where on Hoth are Imperial Walkers first spotted? Oh, my God. What do you mean, where? I'm a, a location? I can't remember. I don't know. Uh, over there somewhere, near those mountains. It was the North Ridge. What's the body temperature of a Tauntaun? Ooh, 35 degrees? I'm afraid it's lukewarm. What? What's the first name of everyone's fourth favourite X-Wing pilot, Porkins? Jack. 
Correct. Name the Ewok village. Name the Ewok village? It has a name. Uh, uh, the, the Ewok village? Uh, it's called Bright Tree. What species is the headhunter turned bounty hunter a man-a-man? A man in. Correct. How many detachable ships does the Star Cruiser Home One have? What is I don't even know what that is. Uh, six. It has two. Yeah. What is the name of the medical ship within the Rebel Fleet? Fleet, even. I have no idea. Uh, medical cruiser. It's called Redemption. How many kisses were in the original trilogy? How many? Oh my word. Ooh. Three. Ah, oh, there were twelve. Wow, it was a snog fest. It was a snog fest across the three films. It's basically porn. <laughs> and the final question, Pete: What was the running length of The Empire Strikes Back? Uh, two hours and five. Oh, painfully close. One hundred and twenty-four minutes. Oh, come so, on, you got to give us a minute out, come on. <laughs> oh, so, Pete, unfortunately, our, be... so, the Southwester Collectors Club's very tough set of questions. Question B, you scored a grand total of two out of ten, bringing your total <laughs> up to ten points. Right then, so next up to rejoin me back in the big black chair, we've got Stuart. Uh, Stu, uh, if you could just make your way over, that'd be wonderful. So you did rather well on on Popey, something that you, you you said you hadn't revised, but you pulled pulled some absolute blinders out there to score eight out of ten. Pete has already taken question set B, so that does leave leave you with the option of A or C. What could I tempt you with? Um, I'm going to take C. That's a C. Yeah, okay. I uh, I'm not very confident. I would just like to say I know the people that are in that collectors club, and none of them would have got any of them right. Right then, uh, quiz set. Quiz question set C. So your first one. On which planet does King of the Side Parting General Crix Maydeen come from? We had this. I think, Pete, you asked this. Is he from the same place as Han Solo? Corellia. Correct. How tall was Kenny Baker? Three foot. Oh, three foot eight inches. How tall was Peter Mayhew? Seven foot two. Oh, painfully close. Seven foot three. Who did George Lucas originally want to voice Darth Vader? I I have no idea. David Prowse. Orson Welles was his first choice. Mm. Ralph McQuarrie, the conceptual artist, has a cameo in which scene? I'm going to just have a guess at um, the Yavin room. He was actually a rebel soldier on Hoth in Echo Base. There's even a figure made of him in that costume. After all major studios turned George Lucas's script down, which executive at Fox decided to back him? I don't know that kind of stuff. It was Alan Ladd Jr. Oh, bloody hell, yeah. 
Who wrote the original screenplay for The Empire Strikes Back? Lawrence Kasdan. Lee Brackett was the original. No idea. Who stood in for Dave Prowse as stunt double and swordsman? No idea. Bob Anderson. Oh, bloody know that, yeah. What is mined on Bespin? Um, metal. Oh, it's gas. And your final question. What is the running time of Return of the Jedi? Two hours, 11. Uh, 132 minutes. So very, two very hours, 12. Good. One minute out. One minute out. The same as Pete. You're both a minute out. Unfortunately, though, Stu, that just adds one more to your tally, giving you a total of nine points. That was shocking. <laughs> Some tougher. Stu, I, 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 I love Bob Anderson. Uh, I should have got that. But apart from that, no. Right then. Moving on. Moving on. So we've got two two people very, very close there. One on nine points, one on ten points. Now, Rich, you're going to rejoin us already on nine points, so you need two points to go into the lead uh, and at least a point to uh, not get into joint last place. The Southwesters have now left you with selection A. And if you're sitting uncomfortably, let's go ahead. Are you ready? Come on. Come on. So question number one. What is the first word of dialogue in The Empire Strikes Back? General. It is Echo. Who owned the Moss Eisley Cantina? Oh, do you name again? Oh, I'm kicking myself with the W. Oh, I can't remember that guy's name. Uh, Chalman. Oh. <laughs> what species was the cantina's horny devil? Devonian. Correct. How many droids did the Jawas have on display at the Lars Farmstead droid sale? Four. It was seven. Name two droids that the Jawas did not bring out for sale, but are notable from the toy line. The power droid. Yep. And the Death Star droid. Correct. What was the name of the Star Destroyer that chased down the Tantive Four? Invincible. The Devastator. What does the TIE in TIE Fighter stand for? Twin Ion Engines. Correct. What is Yoda's first line in The Empire Strikes Back? Away. Feel like what? Where does R2-D2 get his name from? Real 2 Dis 2. Real 2 Dialogue 2. Ah. And your final question, I think you may be able to guess what this one's going to be. What is the running length of Star Wars? Two hours, five minutes. Very close again. You guys are very, very close on these ones. It was 121 minutes. So, Rich, after your second round, you have moved up to 12 points. And I am very pleased to say that makes you the winner of this month's quiz. Well done, Rich. I'm delighted you made me Christmas rose.
small DV tie die cast. Battle over the battles. Vectus Roundup. The rebel base is on the moon on the far side. We are preparing to orbit the planet. Uh, Rich, small DV tie die cast. Yes, yeah, Spoon's posted over on Stars from UK a link to his fantastic website, www.vintagestarwarsdiecast.co.uk, a link to one of his featured articles, and this was written by Justin Lee, who were no more so from Facebook, but I believe he's on the forum as Jedi Jut or something along those lines, and it was an article that Justin had written on the small-winged Darth Vader prototype TIE fighter, and I thought it was absolutely fascinating, and I very, very briefly spoke to Spoons about the small being Darth Vader prototype TIE fighter in the past, but I definitely wasn't aware until very recently that these were available carded, and there's some great photos and information on there, and Spoons was almost chuckling to me yesterday because he said he's never seen them loose, and, and all of them are available carded, so <laughs> for some reason I had them in my head that they were all available loose, but never mind. So it begins with mentioning the fact that there are around 50 of them are known, and that other than the small out-of-scale wings, the rest of the ship is absolutely identical to the production version. Taking lots and lots of photos, and there are two mock-up versions known to exist. So the first is the Star Wars 12-back TIE Fighter card, which is really nice. Obviously, it's a standard TIE Fighter card back with TIE Fighter and the actual white TIE, but it has the, the small wing Vader TIE in the bubble. And the second is probably even better, and that's a 20-back Darth Vader, TIE Fighter, unproduced card back. I've had a look at the 20 backs because he put a note on there to say that it's not to be confused with the Canadian version. And as far as I'm aware, that only Canada got the 20 back of the card backs. Kenna and Palatoy didn't have a 20 back, only Canada did. And then when you look at the Canadian 20 back against this unproduced card back, the differences are incredibly obvious. So obviously if the wings were smaller everything shoved a bit further down in the card back so you can see for example that the starburst is in a different position and obviously the bubble's a little bit smaller great shots and i found it really interesting and also what i wasn't aware of is that the inner tray which keeps darth vader in his cockpit is actually missing in the card sample and i looked at the pictures of the carded sample and the regular one and obviously the bit where Darth Vader is in the copy, that whole lot was missing. So at first I thought, oh, it's it's perhaps not been packaged in there, but it's actually lying in the bottom of the bubble. And apparently that's quite common in these prototype ones because there's nothing to hold Vader in position. So they're lying in the bottom of the bubble inside the little footwell. So I thought it was a fantastic article. And Justin, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Uh, great photos, great information, and cheers Andy for sharing it. Andy was asking why I was inquiring about them and I just kind of said well you know I, I find it I find your article really interesting and he, he thought I was after after buying one I've got no idea how much one of these costs I don't think you get much change out of a thousand if I'm going to be honest with you but I, w- I would love a loose one just to sit next to me regular Darth Vader and see you know so I can see the differences up close but uh, if there's only 50 of them known to exist it's a big number but I think more than 50 want one of these yeah and especially if many of them are carded, that's going to make that 50 even smaller for loose ones. You don't collect any of the carded ones then, Rich? No, I don't. I mean, Spoons' collection is absolutely amazing. I've, I've seen his, you know, die-cast carded items a few times, but I'm just very wary of these big, heavy, you know, TIE fighters inside these cards with the bubbles and the weight of them. The ticking time bombs, those, 
far more so than figures in card backs. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. I would like a land speeder there myself. <laughs> at some point, pick up a die-cast land speeder on a card. I think that's a, that's a beautiful thing to look at. The moon with the rebel base will be in range in 30 minutes. So on to your next uh, one, Battle Over the Battles. This is another group I didn't realise I was still a group, uh, member of until until this all came up all over my Facebook the other day. Rich, um, what's going on? The Battles group, haven't heard a lot from them recently. I quit that Battles group absolutely ages ago. Um, I don't think really there's a place in the hobby for this kind of group myself. But anyway, that's by the by. But I thought the story that he said was actually quite interesting. A post from... A guy whose name I'm probably going to butcher called Sven Schneider. And he posted a watch out post. And just to summarise it, he said that there were a thousand slots for eight dollars each. And that was to win an early bird set. So eight thousand dollars for an early bird set? I thought, mm, that's not the prices I've seen them go for, but never mind. And the original seller was Wayne Robinson. And in there, was obviously the four baggies, the tray, uh, the coupon was in there, a DT look. So it looked really nice until Sven received it. And in there was some problems with the items in that he believed that the DT saber was fake. Uh, he believed that Luke had touch-up paint and he was convinced that the baggie was a reseal. So this was sent off to um, Tom Derby from CIB. And he confirmed that most of it was correct. And he also spotted that the coupon was also fake. Now Tom said he wasn't so certain about the saber because it could be a translucent authentic saber. But the baggie would have to be opened. And Sven had refused this because he thought he might have to send it back. So he contacted Wayne and Wayne appeared genuinely sorry at first and said, Look, I'll get you a new DT baggy and I'll get you a new coupon. So Sven thought, well, obviously, mistakes happen. You know, might not have been away. That's great. So several have been for sale over the month and all around about the $1,000 price range. But Wade had said it was too much and he wasn't willing to pay that amount. So Sven found one for $650 and he asked for it to be kept on hold until Wayne paid for it. Wayne then changed the demeanor and said that he'd only pay for the coupon but not the DT Sabre because it could be legit. There was no evidence or concrete evidence that the Sabre was actually um, fake or repro. But then he didn't pay for the coupon and it went dark and the communications didn't pick up much after after that. So he didn't pay for the coupon and he went dark. And that got obviously all of us thinking, uh, what happens in this kind of situation? You know, I mean, for example, how could he refund? I don't know how many of these slots at $8 each that Savannah had purchased, but Wayne's obviously collected $8,000. That's $8,000 that's gone out of the hobby. How could he possibly refund in this kind of situation? I thought, wow, what an odd story. So, Pete, can you go over, first of all, what is an early bird kit and what does the coupon look like? I'm assuming when we talk about early bird kit, we're talking about the, the one with the figures in, not like the certificate thingy or anything like that. Yeah, so Luke, Leia... Chewy R2, some all in baggies, uh, a little bag of, what do you want to call them? Clips? Thingy, plastic thingies? Yeah, the pegs. Then there's a, pegs, 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 Dave. Um, then there's a white kind of tray, which they all fit in, and inside a little white box, 
and there's a well you're saying a, a sort of coupony thing which is the is that the early bird set premium offer leaflet coupon is that you're talking about i believe so yes yeah so it's got it's a very nice little pretty little thing um it's got a picture of the of the the stand itself with figures on not all of them but i don't think i think there's uh, got this picture there's there's a couple of figures you would normally associate it missing but there we go and that's got a nice little picture of that looks a bit like a car back and it's a little cut off cut along dotted line and you can send it off uh, as american address on this one to uh somewhere in minnesota to get your collector stand which go for rather a lot of money these days so Stu, obviously translucent saber so we, we all know what a dt saber is but what's meant by the translucent look saber and how does it differ from the regular yellow saber Right, so translucent were believed to be from prototypes. I saw a couple of reasons why they could be translucent online. The first one I don't believe is true, but the second one I believe is very strong. Uh, they said that it maybe it was an idea to make this translucent as a lightsaber is made of light and would have shone through the saber, giving it that effect. I think that's a lot of nonsense. The other reason it makes much more sense. Uh, it was a suggested idea to make, make it translucent plastic while they were creating this thing for prototypes so you could see what was going on inside the um, telescoping mechanism so inside the saber for the engineers uh, also these prototype translucent ones they would commonly have jagged plastic edges bits of flashing on it due to these being manufactured quickly with no precision or quality control um, because these weren't intended for public so that really wasn't important and they also have naturally have an upward curve when these ones were made they were originally attached at just one point to its sprue but by manufacturing, this was changed, so it was attached at three points to rectify the curve issues. So basically, translucent, obviously, you can see through it. Those reasons, that, that they were what different and was a prototype. So Yeah, I think I agree with you there on that second one being certainly plausible. The first one, not so certain. So Steve, I come to you last. So as I said, the $8,000 gone from the community. This Wayne Robinson, by all accounts, has went very quiet. I checked his Facebook profile. We're not friends, thankfully. But he does have 10, maybe 15 or so mutual friends. 8,000 gone from the community. How could this have possibly been resolved to a satisfactory conclusion? I don't think it can. I really don't think it can. I, I, I've got to be completely honest here, and maybe this is something that's just passed me by in my little tiny bubble of collecting. Um, I'd heard people mention the term battle, but I'd never looked into it, and I certainly didn't know this was kind of a, a mainstream bit of uh, collecting that was going on where people were effectively gambling small amounts of money, a bit like ta- you know entering the lottery, isn't it? You, you, uh, you, you bet a couple of dollars or eight dollars per person in this case to buy a lottery ticket with a chance of winning something but yeah i don't know it all just felt when i started researching this it all just felt a bit grubby really it's like some kind of weird dark side of facebook um and the more i looked at it the more moronic the whole thing just seemed it's just it's like do people still do this? Do, 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 you know, you enter the lottery and it's 14 million to one or something ridiculous as to a chance of winning that. Who's still putting a quid on that? I don't get it. And uh, this is this is the same for me. But I just think if you're daft enough to gamble in the first place and you're not willing to make the loss and you think that you're going to ever win, then you probably you probably you just carry on and do it. But as far as getting the money back. I don't think there's a way that it can possibly happen. You you alluded to it yourself, Rich. There's, this has been spread out across 
so many people, potentially a thousand individual people, more likely that it's two or three hundred that have all bought multiple tickets. But then they've all individually lost those tickets at eight bucks a, a pop. There is without doubt and a presumption to, to make that statement that he did sell all of his tickets. Eight thousand pound lost from the community. But ah, oh, I don't know if this guy's taken all that money and he's not willing to spend the six hundred and fifty bucks to make the deal good again. The guy just needs to be ostracized and removed. It, it, this kind of goes back to Stu's rant right at the beginning in many ways that if someone's done something this heinous, they've got no place in the community. They're not part of the community and they don't deserve to ever be allowed to be part of the community again in the future. Just step on it, walk away from it and learn from it. Hopefully people will learn from this. That's all I can draw as a conclusion to this. People need to wake up and learn. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, it's not something that I had considered. Obviously, we've talked about battles probably about a year ago now and couldn't understand how it could possibly be good for the hobby. Um, we talked about, I don't know if you remember the three pack. I think it was a villain set that happened to have been won by an admin's friend who wasn't even a Star Wars collector. You know, all the dubiousness around then. This is just the final nail in the coffin made for battles. Surely surely nobody is going to be bidding on battles now when you when you see stuff like this absolutely bonkers no place in the hobby and i feel really sorry for the guy who's i mean hopefully he's only spent eight dollars because if he's only spent eight dollars then he's obviously got a couple of baggies which you know should be really nice but if he's been left with these fake ones i, I think he should be sending that to tom darby because if it is a translucent saber, then obviously that makes the, the deal sweeter. And if it's not a translucent saber, then you know that that's completely fake and can be destroyed. Rich, can I just say, when I chanced upon this story, I had a little nose in the battles group. And you're saying, oh, you know, is it the end of the battles? This group is massively active. There's big name collectors in there. There's a lot of money being thrown around. This 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 one alone, 8,000 slots, 8,000 slots has been filled. There is the odd person who has 1020, but a lot of people have 7, 2 or 3. That is the scale of the people using it. And people are on there, they will argue, it's a good way for me who cannot afford to buy something that's really expensive, a chance of winning it. It's madness. But it is a really, really active group. And you're right, he's taken £8,000, $8,000 for something I don't think is as much as that, even when there was several around for $1,000. He should have replaced it with that. That's just a snippet of what he's earned, considering some of its reproduction. If you lose a grand of that, you lose a grand of that. But put put it right. When something goes wrong in there, it that is impossible to police and impossible. I'm surprised that Facebook allow it. I'm really surprised. There is no way they have a license for that activity. And the group is called Battles. I'm shocked that Facebook allow it because I know that that group was reported several times. I, just, I find it astounding. And finally, Rich, Vectus Roundup. Yet another uh, Vectus sale with many, many nice pieces. One in particular I like. Yes, Joe, so there was a Vectus sale in December. We had a look through the, the Vectus auction back in December. Some really, really nice items in there, but I just want to, I've just pulled out some points here for it to consider, okay? So the first one I want to talk about is 5009, which was a clipper, tri-logo, Imperial Dignity. Now, obviously, we covered the Imperial Dignity last episode, 
and I do not know why, but this clip I won only went for £78. Now, is that not a total bargain for a tri-logo and people Diggly, but with a clipper sticker? And what makes it even more surprising is that further down in the auction catalogue, there was a regular tri-logo, which was about the same condition. That one went for £96. So why did the one with the clipper sticker go for 20, 20 quid cheaper? Just makes absolutely no sense. I can't believe I missed it. That would have been the start of my imp dig focus. Well, I was checking the next Vectis sale, which is in the 30th of January, and I'm pretty sure it's exactly the same clip I try logo and people dig at least being listed again. I, I haven't studied the pictures, but I'm pretty sure it's the same one. So you've got a second chance it's due. Obviously, of course, it's going to go for thousands now because, you know, I want to make sure you don't get it. Other things that I've spotted there I thought were actually pretty good. Item 5134, a boxed Bradley LCD calculator clock ruler. Went for £60. I thought that was a pretty good deal, that. I think it was a nice item. The the box wasn't too tappy. Uh, it was a really nice item. Loved it. Droids coin graded UKG80. That went for 240 which was about half of what I paid for mine. So that was an absolute bargain, whoever got that. The Droids coin, real bargain. And the last thing I want to talk about, and I brought this down to Fathers From, and it was the Palatoy 45A Leah Bespin. And that went for a staggering £4,800. And when I, I brought it down to Fathers From, obviously Jason Joyner's eyes were on it before I even walked in the hall. He's got he's got a knack for sniffing these items out. And he, as soon as I came in, he was around the bag, and he looked at it and he went, I was an underbidder on that, but I couldn't understand why it went for so much. And I say I'm not a Palatoy expert by any means, but I'm led to believe that it was the only one known to exist. So as soon as I said that, Jason was always kicking himself, saying, oh, he perhaps should have thrown more to it. But there's always a clue. If it's Palatoy and it's starting to creep up towards the four or £5,000 mark, there's a clue there that it's something pretty special. Rich, uh, I think you've, you you underplayed that ruler. That's uh, that all that, that ruler thing, because it's, it's a really amazing piece, and it was something that I was... I had a look at it and I thought, no, I can't bother it. But uh, anyway, for 50 quid, but there's, oh, you missed so much detail. It's a ruler. It also has a calculator clock on it, which I know what that means. But it has a, it does have a lovely little calculator on. But it's also got little depictions of, it's got Chewie, Darth, Han, Ben, Luke, Cipio, Princess Leia in her kind of uh, been dressed up by Ewoks outfit, RCD2 and Yoda. And you've got the heights of the figures. You've got the little height guide, which is like, oh, that's nice. Yoda apparently is two foot two. Princess Leia five foot, so that's reasonably accurate. Uh, Chewbacca seven foot six. Um, I'm sure I said seven foot two. There, we ain't got it wrong. But there we go. Um, I, that was a really, really nice piece, and it's in its box, a little bit creased, but it was good. But um, a couple of little things, and technically are little things, just like Stu. There was a couple of little Ewok figures, and I've never seen these before or heard of them. Um, I've no idea why they attracted me. It's probably because Princess Nisa is in there. That's always a nice figure. But they were from a company called Kel, K-E-H-L. And it says they're vintage. I, I've, I've no recollection or, or knowledge of these things. But they're, um, um, they're very cutesy little things. Uh, no articulation or anything. It's just, just wicked looking a bit odd. And Princess Nisa looking Princess Nisery. And they're four and a half inches tall. Um, it just said the plastic was sticky. Uh, <laughs> so they were decaying very slowly. But they, they went for like 60 quid. And I thought, ooh. That's quite nice. Um, there was also the Empress Royal Guard bank. So it's in this little box, little red box, and went for 25 quid. 
it was a bit the box was a bit you know battered i think it had been open but yeah that was a really nice oh, return of the jedi emperor guard bank lovely little item I, that sort of thing i'd have picked up so obviously in there and this led to a discussion on stars from uk um so a lot of eyes were on the power of the force cards and Power of the Force doesn't do anything for me. I totally understand why people in the States like Power of the Force cards. Uh, they were available in the States, but over in the UK, we didn't have Power of the Force cards at all. So when I look at a Power of Force card now, I look at the coin, I think the coins look a bit tatty, for want of a better word. I also get put off by the bubbles that are looking, you know, yellow, fragile, some of them turning brown. So the big three, Nikto, At-At, Driver, and Gaborian God, were all in the auction. The Nikto was graded EFA 80. I'm not sure if the other two were graded or not. I, I, I don't remember. But by all accounts, these went for an absolute bargain, if you can call them that. Uh, EFA 80 Nikto went for 2400. That had a driver 2300 and the Gamorian God 2100. So I did a little search on Tracker because I thought, you know, how can you really call them bargains? But the nearest match I can find to a Nikto 80 grade on Tracker came in at 3,700. So that's, you know, £1,300 more expensive than the one that went on Vectis. For an ungraded one, 2900 That suggests that the, that EFA 80 was a bargain. However, all three of them definitely had signs of yellow. And I was really worried about shipping them because there's no way I would ever ship a Power the Force card a figure. I just wouldn't take the gamble at all. Uh, for Gamorian Guards, on Tracker, they varied between 1600 and 2600. So, the one that went for 2100, roughly in the middle, I thought that was about right. And the at Driver, usual price on Tracker, although, actually, when I think about it, there might have only been one, that was 2800. So, that was more expensive than the one went on uh, Vectis. So, guys, just a general comment of Power of the Force. Is there really no love for them now? Are they too far gone? Is it a case of Power of the Force? People are turning the backs on them. Or is this just because it was Vectis and it wasn't for sale at Hakes? If these had to be for sale at Hakes, a big American auction website or something similar, would these have gone for the far higher price that people deserve them to go for? You don't um, see that many Power of the Force collectors, do you? you, you there's, there's tons of Trilogo ones out there. I know you see a few, but not loads of people. So perhaps the demand's just not there because that Nikto price has definitely come down from when Chris Mann had one and sold his when he sold his collection up. That's a massive drop from what I know he sold his for. So there's de- there's definitely a drop in it. I sold two at the beginning of the year because I'm really nervous about the bubbles on them. Although I've agreed to buy one in January, but um, yeah, you're right, Rich. I would never ever put them for the post ever. I just think it's um, demand. I don't think there's there's that many people chasing them. You saw two Power of Force Nicktoes? Not Nicktoes, no, no, I meant just two Power of Force figures. Um, but I'm sure if um, a Yak or an Anakin had come up, which the people who are, do collect them, you know, are probably missing them. Saying that, though, the Gamorian Guard is renowned for being one of the hardest as well. But I'm sure um, they were still... Let's, let's be honest about it, two grand still a lot of money. Two and a half grand, whatever they are. But, yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely coming down in price. I've got absolutely no interest in Power of the Force. I would buy a Power of the Force R5-D4 if they did exist, purely because that's my focus. But, you know, I, I don't think I'm ever going to own one. I'm going to get the last 15 on Trilogo, because, you know, the, I do remember Trilogo cardbacks, and that's what I'm going down, and those were available in the UK. But Power of the Force is nothing for me at all. 
Steve, any Power of the Force door collection? No, not anymore. I think probably 12, 18 months ago, I sold off the last of mine. And I would, I would agree that they, they do seem to be coming down in price as well. Uh, I think I sold them and was reasonably disappointed with the return I got on them. I don't think I lost any money, but given that I'd had them a few years, I didn't, didn't really make any money on them. But, Actually, now looking at them, I'm glad I got out when I did. I don't, I don't think that they that they're holding the value they were 12, 18 months ago. Pete, I'm guessing you don't have any power of the force. I don't think it'll be your scene. <laughs> oh, I've got a power of the force figure, um, a layer end on out with a tiny little little um, hole in the bubble at the bottom, which seems to have made the bubble quite nice and strong and non-yellow, and, and it's very, very, very mint. It, it really is mint as mint can be. Um, but just that little hole. Um, yeah, I, I really like it. It's one of my favourite carded figures. And Pete, he means um, Power of Force, not Power of Force 2. <laughs> Do you know what the biggest goat for me is? Um, goat? I don't even know if that's an expression. The biggest <laughs> irritant for me on those is, is if the coin isn't straight. Oh, do you know what? I undeniable once about 3PO. And um, the coin was off off kill and I just, it really annoyed me. Not that I owned it, but it annoyed me anyway. That's got nothing to do with this conversation. Let's move on. I find it a bit strange though that that, that, that there is this quality thing. I I think I don't know how I got that so cheap. I think I got it for forty quid because the whole, but it is absolutely pristine. There is one I like. I'm gonna I'm gonna put my hands up. There is one one carded Power of the Force figure I like. I'm not a fan of a man of man as a figure at all, and I do, but I do like that mock. There's something about that actually compared to the the tri logo that I now have in my collection instead. I, I, yeah, there's something about that. It seems to suit that card back for some reason. That so that as a package with the coin, I think that's a that's a good one. But yeah, not really a fan of that line at all. Obviously, Imperial Dignitary as well. Being a top ten figure, um, one of the most smashing figures around. That's obviously um, looks nice on any card with its popping colours and its amazing sculpt. But you you do realise that's why so many of the Imperial Dignities are damaged because they've been held behind that power of the force bubble and the coins have dropped down and chipped the noses and then miraculously the coins have made their way back up again. So they've pretty much ruined the, the Imperial Dignities. Are you, are you about being serious? I was about to say, how has it made its way back up again? <laughs> so anyway, moving on. 30th of January then, so that's the date of the next Vectus auction. And I've seen a lot of people posting saying, wow, this is going to be, you know, one of the auctions to end all auctions, a great way to start 2019. I'm going to have to be honest with you. I've, I've looked through it and I've just thought, hmm, and I just don't know if it's, we've been spoiled recently, but yes, there's, there's some Palatoy 12 bucks. Yes, there's some nice Palatoy 30 bucks, but I've looked through the whole list and I thought there's nothing really that's, I'm looking a bit. Lot 5388, the Millennium Falcon with the PPB shipping box. Yes, that's not something I've seen before and it's probably never something anyone will see again. Uh, that's going to go for a lot of money. You know, that that's one of the big shipping box collectors. You know, somebody like Jason Joyner or Todd Giganti or Ian Sanderson or somebody like that might go for that. But not for the likes of, of me, certainly. And the Palatite 12 backs and 30 backs, other than the R5D4s, which do need a 30 back R5D4. I've been looking for one of them for a long time, none have appeared. There's nothing there that's really making me go wow. So guys, if you had a chance to flick through this auction, is there anything that your pops thinking about adding to your collection then? And like I mentioned before, I'm pretty sure that that same clip I try logo and people taking these back up again. 
I've had a look through, Rich, and I was quite shocked, actually, with all the commentary on the Star Wars forum and on a couple of Facebook groups about people getting excited about it. And a bit like a bit like what you've just said, I, I almost um, questioned whether I have become a bit of a spoiled brat because I, I don't have I don't have my eye on a single thing on the auction. Now, I'm not mega into my palatoy. I've said that for a long time. It's not something that I, I chase after and get excited about the logo. And because of that, maybe I'm not into that finer detail. And it's not something that therefore all of these particular backs of power toys are something I'm desperate to chase after. But I've looked through it and there's, there's nothing there that's even oddball and strange or a box of crazy stuff that I just go, wow, you know, that's going to be worth having a punt on. And nope, not for me this time. I feel I feel quite sad, actually, that there's nothing there that's exciting me. I know what you're saying. I mean, yes, you don't see a 30-back Yoda very often, and that's the same the same item, not not the exact same one, but that's the same item that I found in the, in the store in Newcastle three, four years ago now. So I think this might be the first one I've actually seen since then. So thirty back Yoda is gonna go for what, three thousand, four thousand? I think there's a there's a Boba Fett there as well, which potentially could go for a lot of money. But I'm the same with you, I, I don't remember Palatoy. I think to remember the Palatoy logo you've probably got to be almost a generation above us, you know, so you're looking at Pete and Jez's age. Uh, they probably remember the Palatoy logo, but I've got no recollection of it whatsoever. Um, not even an action man. That's probably because I never ever got anything boxed as action man. I was probably giving second hand stuff from somebody. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm the same. Um, Pete, anything you spotted in the Vectus uh, auction that you might keep? There is an NPC model kit in there which I'm looking at and thinking actually I do need one. So if I can get it for a bargain, I'll take it, but I doubt I will. There was a, a sort of yellowed Snaggletooth on a Return of the Jedi. Not Snaggletooth, I'm talking about Hammerhead on a Return of the Jedi card, but. That, I mean, oh, I really like that card, but I, I bet it goes for well above the estimate, which is well under £100. I've still never bought it for Vectors. Um, you see, now I'm looking at droids figures and going, oh, they look really nice now, after watching the cartoon a hundred times. But um, no, nah, you know, it's to me, Rich, everything looks nice. You know, there's a micro collection in there. I might try. Micro collection does seem to be uh, just go under the radar still. Um, I've always been tempted by it. Now Spoon has bought all the micro-collection stuff he can possibly get. Maybe others have got a chance. But um, um, some big piles of modern figures in there as well. You know, maybe you should go. You should start. You boys should start your modern collections. Um, but but Stu, there is something there for you, mate. It really is. There's a there's a signed <laughs> Greedo picture. You know what? That actually looked quite nice. Um, is it the one where there's three different autographed pictures together? That's it. Yeah, That's it's, it. it's a nice little presentation set, that. Yeah, you've got, you've got Paul Blake, Jeremy Bullock, and Dave Prowse, and they're, they're very nicely, very nicely mounted. <laughs> I mean, maybe you could get that for a couple of quid. I don't think there'd be too many people going for that sort of stuff. I've got Paul Blake, Jeremy Bullock, and David Prowse already, so it's kind of, I could just buy something to put them in. Like a really, really big pastry.
Now, this month's guest, I'm delighted to welcome Paul Davis to the podcast for the first time. Good evening, Paul. Hi, Stu. How's it going? Not bad, mate. Now, you're you're known as Roundster on all the forums, so uh, people yep. might know you as that, because I believe you've been on Star Wars Forum UK since since it evolved back in 2006. I think you're a, a long-time yeah, member on there. On the first version as well, before Ed changed the thing. Right, he lost it, didn't he, all here. Yeah. Joining us to talk to you tonight is, is Rich. Good evening, Rich. Even guys, so you have you've been around the uh, around the circuit of collecting quite a long time. How how long have you been collecting? I was going through this today, and I don't I don't think I ever really stopped. I suppose I had about I, I've been collecting since as an inverted commas adult since about seventeen eighteen, and then obviously was buying a, as a kid up until about twelve. So there's there wasn't a massive gap between. Yeah, that's quite interesting. You're about so let, let's just put that into perspective. So eighteen since you've been buying again, you're about fifty three now? Um yeah, close. Um ten years <laughs> out before forty two. <laughs> yeah. Feel fifty three, so that's definitely... yeah, you look you look fifty three, let's be honest. Uh, massively, yeah. <laughs> so so that's that's a long period of time. But yeah. you 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 trade quite a bit, don't you? Um I see yeah. Yeah, I must admit, it's only been the last couple of years I've been able to, you know, done face-to-face sort of trading. I've always traded on and off through the forum, especially eBay. Apparently, I've had my eBay account since April 2000 and um, uh, bought and sold on there for uh, yeah, a good while. There's a sort of, you know, a Dell boy hidden deep inside me, which always comes up to the, to the surface for things like that. And I, I do enjoy the trading uh, and that side of things. Uh, and it helps to build the collection to, to trade and sell and things like that. So it helps me a lot there. Have you always bought uh, job lots of, of um, collections over the years? Only if I've not gone out, I've not necessarily, you know, put adverts out there saying, send, you know, sell me your job lots or whatever. But if I see something locally, I'll always go for it. Uh, and um, if I buy something on face uh, on Facebook or uh, eBay or, or, uh, not necessarily the forum because people know what they've got there, but you, I just always ask the question, do you have anything else? And, you know, from the podcast, you know, the success people have had from just asking that simple question to people and, uh, yeah, picked up quite a few lots that way. It, it's good fun. Paul, can I just ask, um, we don't ask this question very often, but considering that you're somebody who probably has never stopped collecting, what was your early focus and goal? Was it to get one of everything or at some point did you think, Actually, no, I'm just going to go down the what was available in UK. Um, and when did the new, you know, I'm guessing you didn't see a lot of the kind of items like the play sets initially on. So, so when did you start to formulate the plan of what you were going to get? I'll take it almost as a compliment that there might be a plan now. Because um, <laughs> I tend to see things I like and, and they get bought still. But re- very much in the first days was, you know, I wanted a biker scout. So I found a biker scout. I wanted a 
Thai pilot. So I went and found, you know, mint on card and, and, and I go to memorabilia when that first started out and things like that. So that would be, it was just individual figures. It didn't matter to me if it had the, the, um, the same card as the one next to it. Uh, I've got a photo somewhere of sort of the um, mid nineties where I've got a real mishmash, some Kenner, some Palatoy, a couple of tri logos and things. And it really didn't bother me back then. If I liked the figure, and I suppose that's the way the, the collecting's evolved, that people, you know, my, my friend used to tell me that the Tri-Logos were junk. He, he hated them. So if he had a Kenner, it was definitely better than my palato, my uh, Tri-Logo. So it was uh, quite interesting back in the early days, the perception on that. Uh, and, of course, there was a lot more Tri-Logo hanging around. Uh, but it was, it was, in the early days, it was just literally, I wanted a particular figure and I would, would buy it. And I never had the goal that I... I want to get every single one because I just thought that was unrealistic. So I just was buying bits and pieces as I saw them in the background, trying to complete my loose collection, um, which that's remained a constant. So I sort of, as far as I'm concerned, it's complete. I've not got a vinyl cake jower, but I'm not inclined to um, uh, throw a huge amount of money to uh, uh, that. It, it doesn't feel like I'm missing something. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously if I bought that in the nineties, that would have been terrific. Uh, but, um, it, it's, yeah. So, I, so in answer to your question, it, it wasn't back then, there was no particular focus. It was just what I found in, in terms of what figure I was looking for at the time. Uh, and in, in terms of the care, looking at the play sets and that side of things, um, I've picked up a few over the years, but I'm not mad on the, the play set side of things. It's, um, uh, I guess I've got some photos with uh, in the background. You can see the boxes for like a Slave One and the box for for the superb Darth Vader Star Destroyer. Uh, and and part of me wants to get those back because I had those and I can remember them. But um, you know, Land of the Jawas place. I always thought that was was American only. Um, uh, the same with uh, with a lot of the the um, cloud car and things like that. So it's a sort of would be nice to have if I saw it at the right price. But I never really pursued them. It's strange how you get that perception of what was released and what wasn't growing up in, in your little bubble in Hereford, where you just whatever you saw in the shops, that's all there was in the UK as far as you were concerned. No Internet, no nothing else. So so how did you catalogue your items? And so obviously the Internet wasn't <laughs> available back then. So how did you know, unless you saw it, that these existed? Good point. I, I, I mean, I remember what I had as a kid. I had um, kept most of, if not all of my figures from when I was a kid. So. I knew from what I had loose what I wanted to get carded. Uh, and um, But in terms of cataloging and things, it was if I owned it, it was on my wall. Uh, if I had a loose one of it and I wanted it carded, Modeling Collectors Mark was one way to go. You just look through there and see what was for sale. That opened my eyes to, to a lot of the stuff that was around. There was a great guy in um, Brighton called Tony. He used to sell quite a lot of stuff where um, he had all sorts of figures, that guy. Uh, and... Um, you know to buy blind now people would probably a lot of the new collectors would just be horrified the idea of picking up a phone and saying you've got a death star droid what's it like and you know oh it's got a bit of a crease in it the bubble's a bit damaged do you, do you want it post me a check for 40 quid if you want it yeah go on then and it's just it is like a different world now we have about ten thousand photos of each each item to pick every tiny little thing out yeah it's amazing how things have evolved Never would have guessed. Obviously, in the early days, you probably made the same classic mistakes that everybody did. Perhaps, you know, purchasing items without weapons. Um, 
what what do you regret back in the early days that you did? You know what 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 were some of the biggest mistakes that you did that you really wish you hadn't done? I'll just give you an example of something I remember Stefan telling me when he first joined um, online is that he traded some of his Meccano items and his tri logos for Kenner because he thought Kenner was the Grail. So obviously he made a mass, you know he made massive mistakes when he first started uh, breaking through. Uh, the biggest mistake I probably made, uh, I mean, obviously the, the figures without the weapons, but weapons weren't quite as horrendously priced as they are now. So, and luckily I, I completed the collection before things really took off on that side of things. So I suppose I don't look back at that and panic too much. But the <laughs> going great guns into Power of the Force 2. But aren't so, they worth thousands now? Uh, mass, yeah, if you can find the right market. <laughs> so that would be brilliant. Um yeah, it's it's really strange. It's, it, it just when it all came out and it was all new and you could actually walk to the shops and buy it and things like that. So £5 a pop uh, and uh, just a terrible idea considering what I could have been buying with, with that money instead of four of them. You know, I still remember Trilogo Yak Face for 32 quid or something in Modeling Collector's Mart and thinking, oh, who'd pay that for a figure when I can buy five of them? You know, for uh, just, just crazy. But uh, yeah, I did have a, a huge Power of the Force 2 collection. And I'd probably still do in a box in the loft. Still worth half what I paid for it, probably. So what were the shows to go to back in the day? So did you mention memorabilia just before? Um, memorabilia, I mean, really, I got into the collecting again because my dad was a, a die-cast model collector. Oh, right, yeah. So uh, he used to take me to all the, the, um, the well, car shows. So it was toy um, and and... We go over to Gloucester. We go to uh, Malvern. They used to be a big fair there, and I remember seeing <laughs> quite a few actually. Funnily enough, low grades and Gamorian guards just hanging around for three quid on various stands, Intel cards, and I and I just I'd walk around and find anything that I particularly wanted to buy, so I bought one of each of those and uh, <laughs> told um, by a friend that I was an idiot, you know, for buying this stuff. Why would you buy that, you know? And um, that sparked a bit of an interest and then picking them up the the um the toy uh, and trade collectors fairs were, were great back then because there were there was loads you know there were there were absolutely loads you could pick up and then i i couldn't tell you the year but the first memorabilia show at the nec i remember going to that and there just being tables upon tables and minute on cards and and um even to the extent i mean i, I mentioned tie fighter pilot before i really wanted one at the time i picked up a tie fighter pilot and it was on a Darth Vader card. It was either a Spanish or Trilogo. My memory's not good enough to say definitely. Um, and I remember thinking, oh, damn it, I really wanted that. And it's on the wrong card. So just popping it back on the table and moving on. Uh, and, and yeah, it was, you know, the, the stuff that was around then was fantastic, but I just had no idea. And I had a dad who constantly told me, because he'd been sort of burned in the classic car market and the the die-cast car collecting market that the bottom will fall out of this ball. Don't don't throw all your money into these Star Wars toys. The bottom of the market will will come, and uh, we're still waiting. <laughs> yeah, we're still waiting for that. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Good good advice. So you're talking about the the early memorabilia in there. Back in childhood, you you um, you've already alluded to it that the Darth Vader Star Destroyer playset holds yeah. memories for you. Now we did cover this this playset several months ago, and I think. Um, I think we kind of got decided that it was, it was one of the worst playsets. So you're going to tell me now why we're wrong. So I've even got the photo right next to me. You can see the box behind me on my sixth birthday. And then a few photos on me and my friends set up on that. That that was a superb base. So any games back in the day, 
for me, almost always involved a bass, whether it was, you know, playing around the estate and things like that, you always had to come back to bass. So when we were playing Star Wars, you had the bass. So I know this isn't a really good sell that it's a bass, but it had little stands you put the little people on and it had a big gun. So, I mean, anyone who came near, that bass was pretty impregnable. And also the photo genuinely is a photo of me and my mate Jim and we've set up the figures on that with an X-Wing in front. Proud as punch of that collection. I genuinely thought that that was the greatest collection in the world. I didn't think anyone had more Star Wars than that. George Lucas, maybe, but it, it was up there. And that and it was part of that. So I guess it, obviously it's a memory th- thing for me. But when you're looking at it and, uh, and, and also, I mean, my Star Wars world absolutely took off in, in 2001. So by the time I hit my birthday, two, 2001, uh, 1981, and then 2002, everything was Star Wars by then. And that was the biggest Star Wars thing I had. Uh, and I guess I would have loved an at and uh, never got one. Boo-hoo. So being the biggest item I had, it was a winner. I've got, I've got to ask you this because you've, you've, you've said that um, the Palatoid Death Star you think was basically a bit overrated. <laughs> yet you're defending this are you telling me that that Darth Vader Star Destroyer is better than the Palatoid Death Star yeah, Palatoid Death Star is just like a big coaster really it's uh, made of cardboard <laughs> it's, uh, yeah I, I think it's just purely if I'd have had a Palatoid Death Star instead of that I'd probably think it was the greatest thing ever but it just ties into that wonderful memory and 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 the greatest Star Wars collection in the world you know it's 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 a big part of that greatest collection that there ever was so I have to ask so, you this this just gonna this isn't this is a bit off off kill from what I wanted to say say but you just said that the the Palatoid Death Star is like a big coaster yet your your most biggest passion is Hamilton plates <laughs> which are shaped like a big coaster <laughs> biggest passion is trying to sell my Hamilton plates yeah it's uh... do you um are you always trying to upgrade them that's why you always have a lot for sale at events yeah I mean I haven't found I've managed to sell quite a few of the ones that I had and I haven't found replacements yet so um i'm I'm playing the long game with this one um and maybe my love for them will be rekindled when the last few go so let's just let's just put that right out there now for all our listeners who are listening if you have Hamilton plates at and home in your collection, collection give me a in, shout in the, and in I the, may have some for sale. Exactly. Paul Davis, if you're not quite sure who he is, check my friends list out on Facebook, maybe, or check Roundster on the forum. Drop him a PM because he wants to hear from you. He also loves prequel Monopoly sets. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I haven't found it yet, mate. Did it find its way home with you? Uh, it's sitting in my office waiting to be posted. <laughs> <laughs> you did stupidly give me your address. I know, you're so convincing with your lies. <laughs> um, I Paul, look forward to getting that. Um, you, you sent me, so you, you, you seem to be someone who has a focus and sells it for probably needing to sell it, getting a focus and thing. And you sent me five. So I'd like <laughs> yeah. to, um, I'd like to go through them because it will kind of give us your journey of collecting as well. If yeah, we can go through them. A few things that fit in with them, which I might make some sense as it goes along, but we shall see. Brilliant. So let's start early 2000s. Uh, you told me you put together a Trilogo collection. Now, you've already already stated a bit earlier, Trilogos were were not popular. They were frowned upon as being a, a bit of a poor man's kind of card. You know, they weren't they weren't very um very appealing for a lot of collectors. So mm-hmm. why were you collecting them then? Were you just a visionary? You could you could see and how how vast did you get? How far into that collection did you get? I guess what had happened when I'd gone to the Dark Side of Power of the Force 2, um, figures and 
Um, that was up until about 99-ish. And funnily enough, I, I was living in Northampton at the time. I moved back to Hereford and, and uh, I think I'd left some of my original ones at home. And it just, the Trilogos evolved out of sort of what I'd found. There was a little antique centre in Gloucester and every time we'd go over um, a family in Gloucester, so I'd go over to Gloucester, pop in the antique centre and more often than not, the nice ones I found, the different ones I found were, were Trilogo. So it just gradually evolved. I got rid of the non-Trilogo and started to, to grab what I could on the Trilogo. So I guess what I was saying to Rich earlier about not ha- that early sort of scattergun approach of just, I want that figure, I don't care what card, I'll have it. It, it, it just gradually it started to look better on the wall. Bought my first house. My wife was thrilled when I started putting them on the bedroom wall. And uh, yeah, they they looked looked good. So I and it just gave it. I don't know. I I can't quite explain the the buzz of just focusing on one card because it just display purposes looked brilliant. I was able to get them on the wall for the first time in you know four or five years. And uh, so I'd love to claim to be a visionary and saw the prices, but I wouldn't have sold them when I did um, for the prices I did had I been a visionary. How far had you got into that collection? Uh, I think I was up to about 30 carded. And back then there wasn't this massive knowledge that there is now. So, you know, I had a TIE Fighter pilot on Trilogo. I had IG-88. I had an amazing uh, Princess Leia Hoth um, uh, and quite a few of the other ones. uh, A Luke Hoth that I'd picked up for next to nothing. Uh, And, um, yeah, it was pretty... I, I built what now would be, you know, ridiculously expensive, but I'd pick them all up for between sort of 20 and 30 quid or even less than that in some cases. And, and it just didn't have that, that massive focus. So it was good fun. It was good fun to buy them. It was it didn't feel like I was taking a big risk financially by buying them. Um, and it just built up uh, until about 2002. So um, what about also the so back in those days not so easy to educate yourself was you aware that that four of the main line hadn't come out on the cards that no. six were hybrids yeah, absolutely no idea no idea on these things i just I, I just assumed that everything came out on there so and because i was just chipping away at a collection it wasn't something i i felt i had to i like i like to know things i like to be educated on what i'm collecting and things like that but back then it was hard to find the info so um I don't know what year the the Tomark Guide came out. I think that's very late nineties. I think. Yeah, was it that, I mean, but that, but... that gave you unrealistic expectations, you know. So try logo Jow is twelve dollars. Well, know, yeah, so actually, do you know what? I've got mine. I snap up a couple of them, you know. Um, yeah, it was just plugging away really, and and um, it's almost like that blissful ignorance. You're just there thinking, well, if I keep buying these, eventually I'll have them all, and you've got no idea that some of them are just never going to turn up you know I think, nice, you're right. really. I think you're right with the cards i've got um i've got my tomox guide in my hand at the moment i've got a really funny feeling let me just check that they say that the medine is a really cheap on the tr- on the um on the trilogo if i remember correctly well, general medine something like 35 dollars or something isn't it? yeah right mint in mint packaging 15 dollars yeah i was prepared to pay that as well and um yeah so even at that point, you know, they, they're not I'm trying to find what year this came out in. Um, 94, actually. It's earlier than what I thought yeah, it was. Gosh. But back then, even then, that's when you were just getting into collecting. As a youngster. You collected them for a couple of years and you had to sell up. Well, it wasn't a case I had to sell up. I, I think um, in July 2002, uh, child number one turned up uh, out of the blue. No, um kind of expected him uh and i was just under the assumption that you couldn't really be a homeowner a dad 
and a proper grown-up and have a Star Wars collection. And it was strange. I mean, obviously, you're never sort of financially prepared to have a child and that. And I just... It wasn't quite a knee-jerk reaction, but I just felt like I really should sell these things. This is an irresponsible thing to do. I have a child. I need to um, to think about the, you know, safeguarding the family and things like that. And um, uh, so it, it all it all went. It all it all was sold. I kept my loose collection. I was determined to keep something. Um, and uh, yeah, but it, it was it was just you know part of me felt like that was the right thing to do. And yeah, and I and I and they they all went, but not for long. <laughs> so we then go into your your next focus, which you then decide to put together a Palatoy Return of the Jedi run. Yes. So what it's... kind of year? You, so we're saying you sold in 2002, your Trilogos? Yeah, yeah the Palatoy the one probably would have been, I don't think I left it long between it. So, you know, that, that decision was made, as I say, because I thought we weren't going to have any money. We've got a child. Oh, my God, how are we going to cope with all this? And then as things panned out, I, I could find a little bit of spare money and things like that. So um, I, I sort of, well, I guess it's hard to explain it with the current climate because things were so much easier to find things and easier to buy things. You'd look on eBay and there would be buy it now is popping up for, for between 20 and 40 quid still then. And you'd be able to pick up some really nice figures. It, it not a huge uh, by current standards outlay. So I just gradually started building them up again. And then I thought, well, the Trilogas had started to take off a bit in price. So I thought, well, I'll go for the, for what I know, the UK market, but I'll go and, and the Palatoy logo figures had gone up by quite a lot. So the return of the Jedi Palatoy one seemed like a good little gap where I could um, enjoy collecting them without, uh, a huge what what felt like a huge outlay at the time so how far did you get with them again that was probably around 20 ish i do you know what all the all my photos of those have just disappeared i, I can't find anything from about 2006 back back to about 2000 i've got some great photos of the 90s and and it's a bit like my memory my memory doesn't remember much of that period as well so <laughs> it's a shame but it, it was definitely definitely in the in the twenties of them, and and uh, a, a, a couple of the hybrids as well on there. So the um, uh, just because they were from the front, Ophelus um, Palatoys, uh, and, and people didn't really know what they had. They bung them on eBay, and um, yeah, you used to be able to snap them up at a good price. Oh, happy days! Oh, those were the days. <laughs> and again, second child arrives. Mm-hmm. So two thousand and four, Josh arrived. Um, didn't slow down that much i guess i just had a bit of a uh, an ease off um and then was around i suppose it's, it, it, trying to work it out exactly where it all fitted in um i think i still had the palatoy focus going then uh and i was so much more it's really weird to look back so back in going through that josh arriving in 2004 to 2006 when callum was arriving and the I look at the forum then. So I got into the forum probably around the 2004 and just started to find out so much more knowledge, discovered rebel scum and that. So I was probably a bit late on the on the um, the, the bandwagon. Well, not bandwagon, but the, the information on there. And, and it was just fascinating to find stuff. I used to go on Toys R Gus and just look at all the, uh, well, the archive, basically, and, and see what, what was around and just, uh, just opened my eyes hugely as to what was there um and sort of what i i guess would not have but helped me focus on what i wanted to have so i'd kept chugging away with the palatoys and then uh i do every now and then so a couple of years in i just sort of lost a bit of focus on it we'd 
I'd run out of places to put them. Kids were sort of taking over, so I couldn't see them. So they, they got sold up. It was, um, yeah, it was just a decision. At no point with my selling up, there's only one lot of things that I sold up that I kind of regret because of the situation. But that one was just, wasn't much room in the house, couldn't see them. So, so they went. And uh, yeah, that was uh, kind of a few decisions along the way like that. Your next focus, I've got, I've got a, a question to ask you. So you go back to Trilogos, you're going to put together the last 17 on Trilogo, and yep. you get to 16 of these. You've got your Luke Stormtrooper, <laughs> you've got your R2 pop-up, you've got your Yak Face. Which, yeah. why, now the figure you didn't get to me mm-hmm. was, I can't remember what it was now, was it one of the Ewoks? No, it was a Han Carbonite. Han Carbonite. Why did you not complete that run why <laughs> it was a, a really stupid reason so that one had come i tried to get back into try logos again and quickly realized this was not well i'm not a rich man it was not my game that even back in 2006 2007 when i was getting into that but i just i saw so, i sold all my loose last 17 and went for the last 17 on try logo i thought i can do this i was picking them up I mean, ridiculous compared to current prices. So a lot of the Ewoks and things were around 30 to 40. And, and Barada and things like that, you could pick up for that. The Luke Stormtrooper I got for a bit of a bargain because it was a bit battered. I got £200 for a um, Yak Face, so I had all that. And um, the R2, I had absolutely beautiful R2 for about 90 quid. Absolutely stunning. And it got to the hand, and the only place I could find him was uh, good old Toy Tony, uh, and he wanted £115 for him. Back in 2007, 2008. Yeah, 2008-ish, I would have said that was. And I just couldn't justify it. It was amazing. It absolutely killed the whole passion I had for that run. Just over one figure that I couldn't seem to find it what I deemed a, a reasonable price. So it was just a case of, of that it reached a brick wall for me. It, it just I didn't want to just throw money at, at a figure to complete the set, which is... Um, I guess the way I've done it the whole time, there, there wasn't a fun, there's no fun in that for me. You know, you can find virtually any figure, really, if you just throw money at it. And I just couldn't get it for what I wanted to pay. And it, it just wasn't it, it just killed the buzz on, on that collection. So so they went. So it was nothing to do with the actual figure. No, I love, I love Hank Arvner. I remember getting it in my stocking back in probably 85 uh, ish, something around that. Good old Santa came through um, <laughs> and uh, folded in half, though. I mean, I, I would have paid for it in that condition, though, back in 2007. I'd have been fine with that. So I don't know whether whether you sold that on or whatnot, whether... So, yeah, they were all sold back in um, 2009-ish, something around there. And uh, not much more than I paid, really. So is that when you start your very first ever actual focal character focus? The Lando Skiff snuck in somewhere around 2008. So first I of all, why, why. why Lando Skiff? Uh, I like the figure. I'll try and explain why. Um, I like the figure. And I bought, I was looking for the Trilogos and uh, every now and then things would pop up. And I saw the different bubble shapes on a Lando Skiff. Uh, and it kind of caught my attention. I just like the fact you could get the bubble above his head. The larger Trilogo bubble with it bouncing around inside. And then I noticed that there's the European releases with different shape bubbles and things like that. Uh, and then I started looking at the cards and, and I'd always had an idea of doing a, a focus run of, say, uh, a Star Wars Empire, Return of the Jedi, uh, Trilogo, Power of the Force figure. So something like a Luke X-Wing or something like that. Um, but that was out of my budget as far as I was concerned. And Lando Skiss were really cheap. 
they were they were ridiculously cheap. You, you know that that whole collection was just brilliant fun. Killed lots of time with late nights up with crying babies and things like that, and um, just doing searches, looking through um, eBay in the USA, just trying to find all the the different ones with different sticker offers and and things like that. And it was just such a a good fun collection because there wasn't a massive financial outlay to any of the figures i mean i did end up with a toll toys one and that you know killed me a little bit because i had to pay so much for that and i and but the the basics you the fact you could uh, you know i had such a great kenner run but from the front they all looked the same so i think when the kids came in my room and i put them all on the wall and they said why have you got so many of the same figure dad what's wrong with you? <laughs> that's a, that's a, you know, the kids always keep me in perspective. And I thought, yeah, that's a good point. But, you know, it was good fun. It was good. I enjoyed it. So we come up to your your current focus of what you're collecting at the moment. Now, yeah, you're back on Return of the Jedi figures. Yes. But this so, time you're going with an Anakin offer. Yeah, well, there's kind of two running. Um, if I can sort of explain how I got back in. So I suppose everything was sold up with Lando 2012. And there was a big gap. So I just didn't. Do you mind if I go, go into just a little bit? Yeah, definitely. Mate. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. So um, 2012 sold it, sold up Lando because it just again, the fun had come out of it. Everything I got was was great, but I couldn't find some of the other easy. <laughs> it should be easy to find Kenners and the the other ones are like um, French carded, Spanish carded, and they were quite costing a fortune. So I decided, well, that'll do. I've had my fun and, and sold up on them. And then in 2013, I really sort of went through a stage where I was just selling everything. I just lost all interest in in the collecting side of things. Uh, go, looking back, I mean, it's quite eye opening for me when I look back at my posts on on the forum because I was very active around 2006, seven till till around 2009 and it gradually goes off but 2013 there was just nothing um and um really what well actually 2012 2013 so sold up early 2012 um and then i had a really rough year so so january 2013 uh ended up at the doctors diagnosed with low mood depression and uh started to do i guess that was sort of rock bottom and i started to try and build myself back up and what that that's where my disappointment comes in maybe it's selling the lando skiff because although i've got those decisions for it reading into to depression some of the things that it affects it, 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 it makes you lose interest in things that were really you know a huge passion of yours and and uh, and i guess it, it was just a hard comeback that was because because i just dropped down sold a lot of the stuff which which had given me that interest and then um coming through 13 by may 13 i'd started to feel like myself again and that was you know a little bit but and it's a hard thing to go through but when it takes away your your passions and your hobbies as well that, that's a real a real challenge because you haven't got that fallback uh, and I was so pleased back in, you know, May, I got back on the forum. Forums always felt like home to me. Um, and there have been a lot of changes, new, I would say new faces, but you don't really see the faces on, um, you know, new new posters. Uh, and uh, it's funny because you just get a couple of messages saying, oh, I haven't seen you around for, for a while. How are you doing? And, and it's like a little community thing, which was really nice. It just helped me back in. And, and I didn't really get back into collecting again for, for a good year to two years in terms of buying the vintage figures but it, it just felt good to be getting back on there and sort of interacting in that side of my life which had sort of been pushed back a little bit uh, i hope that's not too heavy or uh, no 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 so it's obviously that um, it's a, a very big um 
a, a big topic depression and it's very very rife and probably well publicized now compared to then the last couple of years it's certainly been more encouraged it, it, to talk about it but so star wars in that period of time you just it was completely brushed brushed away um the movies and everything just yeah there was just a, a very little interest you know it just something that had was a big, but I mean, I still would. You know, kids have always had Star Wars toys and things like that. If I'm going to buy them anything, it'll be a Star Wars toy. And having four boys, there's always that there. So, um, so I guess it didn't disappear completely. But my real passion for the collecting side of things and finding out, um, you know, I, I spend hours on the internet just reading different articles and things like that, just because I enjoy it, you know. Um, and but that had all gone, so there was a big sort of void there it was only you know with the hindsight of looking back and think oh my goodness that that changed so much and so you know so um it all seems obvious with looking back but at the at the time it was uh, you know just caught up in the moment can you um, see that in your posts on the floor I, I can time. see a can big you... gap you, you, you go through the posts and you just said you know the only post i think in 2000 between me selling up the landos pretty much and and then coming back sort of may 2013 the only post was to say thanks for wishing me happy birthday <laughs> so there, there there was not that i'm a massive you know poster on there i always think of great hilarious things to write and then someone else beats me to it so i just need to up my typing game in that um but uh it, 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 yeah it was just noticeable that i just don't think i was logging in don't think i was going on um and it's been great actually doing this because I, I had a look back at some of the original posts and some of the guys I was interacting with regularly in 2006. I'm now good friends with like Spoons, you know, he popped up on, on uh, quite a few of my posts and that. And I only really met him two years ago face to face. So, it's uh, yeah, it's quite interesting how these things uh, pan out over time. He's definitely uh, um, definitely one that's better um, <laughs> on a screen than than facially. Uh, he's, yeah, he's not, he's not quite pretty like myself but uh yeah so. i thought he was modeling for a restaurant when i was at father's Friday. we walked past a cafe and he was just sat in the window framed beautifully <laughs> <laughs> so that leads you on to your your yeah, current sorry, collecting um, went off on a tangent so what had happened so i got a bit more so that was coming up so um 2013 slowly went back in but it was a very slow process just integrating um and then I started, it must have been early, with the excitement of the um, celebration coming up. Um, and we booked, uh, I, myself and a few friends had booked tickets early on. I, I was already a bit more um, active on the forum, speaking to a few of the guys who were going. I, I started to really look forward to it. I'd never actually been to a, uh, although I probably, you know, could have walked past everyone from the forum with various memorabilia and things like that. I'd never actually done a meetup or anything. So getting into that really got me sort of energized again. And I thought, you know, I'd, I'd quite like to get back into it. But prices were were a little bonkers. But, you know, if you stop collecting in 2013 and then come back in 2016, the, the uplift on prices was, was just crazy, you know. And I was lucky enough with one of my many um trolls of the internet just searching various i don't know what i'd search comic shops barcelona i think i searched and one popped up and they had loads of palatoy they had loads of um uh, popey figures with the little boxes and things like that and they all seemed to be really reasonably priced so i um i took the plunge and bought a, a few of those and were able was able to sell them on and by kind of self-financing i started my initial focus was to get the first 12 on return the jedi cards um forgetting of course about princess there 
um so and i managed to pick up a hand tube i managed to pick up a luke um for like well i say cheap 200 quid which five years ago i'd been crying about but at the time was absolute steel uh and and i got the first 12 well first 11 uh with a placeholder leah quite quickly and then thought well let's move on i'll, I'll never get a boba fett i'll go for first 20 21 and then uh, managed to pick up a Boba Fett for 250 quid. So, you know, from the States and it just sort of gathered momentum there. The ESB was a, was a lot easier apart from the Luke Bespin, which um, uh, I can, you can get, but it's a lot of money. So it's uh, it sort of put me off part of it there. I got to return the Jedi. And again, it's a bit like going back to virtually everything I've said, I'll re- reach a point, And then I hit that sort of lack of passion, uh, lack of interest sort of, Bit. so I, I i hit return the jedi and thought well i can buy all <laughs> it sounds like a real boast i can buy all of these but um i'm sure my wife would disagree but they're all there they're all available you, you could find virtually any of the standard return the jedi character uh, on an ebay search right now uh mint on card uh with, with a with unlimited budget you just buy what you need and i sort of am denied i mean ian sanderson's been an absolute star with um sending things over to me and uh, uh there's a big box on the way now i feel so bad i mean i know you get a lot of stuff sent to him as well Stu. but i think i've always said that if me and my wife ever get divorced we're going to cite ian sanderson as part of the, the reason if without him i wouldn't have bought half the stuff i've got so it's ian's fault ian it's your fault uh but yeah he was he was so helpful with that and i and i sort of undenied around what to do well i'll just stop at esb i can't be doing return the jedi and i don't know what it was maybe it's the colors or whatever but the the lovely little anakin office sticker on the card just shone out on one of the figures i was looking at and i thought you know what that to go to go for the full return of the jedi run with the anakin office stickers on that that would be i think would look good i'm sure some of you would argue not but i just thought it'd look great in the little little run and and gave me a little bit of passion for doing the return the jedi part so that's sort of where that um that popped up just it just gave a little uh, and not to sound arrogant or anything that the return to jedi is not good enough for my collection it's more than good enough for my collection it just gave me the the passion to go out there and try and find all these and again it's been it's been great to do it i'm sure again ian would disagree that it's been great because a lot of them turn up in america and end up on his doorstep um so uh uh but yeah it's been it's really good and i'm getting now i'm getting there so. so a couple of questions with regards to those cards so what what back were these on? Sixty five backs. Um, there are some sixty five backs. Most are seventy seven or seventy nine. It seems. Okay, so it, um, it spanned quite a few. Um, yeah, but it, I think they were the later ones. The sixty five backs, if I'm right, and I'm sure someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but they they seem to be the made in Mexico cards, like the Lando uh, Skiff, certainly, um, and the uh, Biker Scout. I've got the 65 back ones, whereas most of the others seem to be the 77, 79. So whether those were sent out later, I, I don't honestly know. But that just seems to be the only ones that show up with 65s. What are the tough ones to find here? Because right. um, I'm aware that the Jawa is not many known examples. Yeah, so I, I've I've kind of done myself a big favour by not trying to get any other characters. I'm just going Return of the Jedi characters with the Anakin offer. And I, I, I say I was told I, I did as much research as I could, but it's, it's not an easy one to find a definitive list. Rebel Scum of a few threads from a good few years ago. Uh, the Kellerman Matrix isn't entirely accurate on there because quite a lot has popped up. I mean, I got ever so excited finding a Klaatu skiff 
when I first started looking, it wasn't on his matrix. And I thought, wow, got the only one in the world. And for about a month, every cartoon skiff that turned up had that sticker on. I felt a bit of a mug. But um, uh, the knee numb, uh, according to all the lists I could find, didn't exist. And uh, I got two of them on the way just because, because. Um, and uh, uh, so the Return of the Jedi characters, they all they all appear so it's it's great it's it's a brilliant little focus because i know they're all obtainable um but once you go into the certainly the star wars characters on those cards um i think nick um Raider told me that the jawa there was one jawa which apparently was uh open for you grading which is just bonkers um some of the things that have been you graded or attempted to be you graded just crazy um and uh yeah i think c3po is another one that if you can find that it's almost a printing your own money sort of exercise uh and i and i've been tempted to sort of start trying to replace some of the the other characters with those uh the anakin offers but again because it's a line i can't complete i think i'll just stick with what i what i've got or stick with what i'm going for as it were so how many are you away from I've got the list on the thing. I think it's about eight, I think. And I've seen all of them at times just um, either being too tight to pay for them uh, or I felt they're too expensive or too um, too ruined. Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to trying to slow it down and do it gradually rather than throw money at it again. But um, uh, it's it's just yeah, good fun good fun just adds a little difference to the to the return of the jedi guys which is just you know if you can get get something that gives you the passion to want to go out and find them and uh, uh yeah it works brilliantly from that side of things Move, moving on a little bit now you said earlier your dad said uh, that the market the bottom of the market will drop out at some point the market has definitely slowed in the last few months mm-hmm. prices are stabilizing do you think he could be right do you think we're going to see the um I don't think he's right because he started telling me this in the early 90s. So it's um, to, it, it, I suppose eventually you'll be right, you know, but um, uh, I, I think there'll be a slowdown. Some of the more common figures. Um, certainly, I haven't. I know there's the thread on the on the forum, which is uh, the under 30 pound mint on cards and all the bargains. I, I found quite a lot of these Return of the Jedi ones and, and I'm, I'm reluctant to pay more than 50 pounds for any of them. So whether that's a, a change where where there's less of a, an excitement around the more common mint on cards or the the, the more common figures, should we say, on, on a card. Uh, and I think there's a definite slowdown on that side of things. It seems to be everyone, you know, for a while everyone was on a major fast forward. So you had all the... The loose figures suddenly went up crazy in price. And then a lot of people now have, have completed those collections and decided, well, I'm moving on now, going mint on cards and, and um, work their way through the easier to find cheaper ones on those. Uh, and maybe the higher values are staying on some of the hard to find, harder to find figures or the main characters, should we say. But certainly, I think, yeah, I think you're right. There is a stabilization of, of the, is that a word? <laughs> Who knows? Stabilization. Uh, yeah. Sounds yeah, like the kind of thing I'd make up. Yeah. That's good. We'll go with it. Uh, and, uh, and but the the lower end, I don't want to say lower end because you can get some really nice figures for for the sub fifty price. You just sort of got to look for it or be you know use your patience on that side of things or use Ian Sanderson to send them from America. Great. I know he Love loves me. I, I I get ceramic dumped on his doorstep in America and I think he must <laughs> think how the hell am I getting that back to the UK? But um, he always smiles and obliges. Bless him. Uh, yeah. 
I, yes, I always so. think he's, he sends the nicest messages and behind it, I reckon he's just cursing away. Oh, no, but, look uh, at this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you must have to have a room with other people's stuff in because I speak to so many people and they're all like, oh, yeah, I get things sent to Ian. You just think, poor bugger. <laughs> <laughs> he sent me a photo and I was like, I don't know. I, I apologise on most of my messages to him. But it, it, I guess opening up that American market would be, be really handy. I, I mean, you can get them posted direct and it's still... Uh, a lot of them do work out cheaper if, you, if you're collecting the Kenner ones because there's lot, lots out there. So um, I wouldn't rule anything out. If you're searching for a figure, you know, I, I'd try anything. You know, I I like the Facebook groups. It's all a bit fast and furious at times on there. Um, and you do get the some of the partial interest side of things, which which you, you see coming and going. I mean, I know I'm, I'm not really one to speak with the coming and going with the, the collections I've yeah focuses i've gone for and then moved on from but uh, it's it's not you know i don't like the fire sale i'm getting out of this and and things like that because i I know it's always there i think i i need star wars collecting more than star wars collecting needs me i know i'm not a you know star wars figures collecting celebrity if there is any such a thing out there um and uh i i just think if if you're buying as well at the right price the the drop of the market isn't so much of a, a concern so if you if you've got a budget in mind, you know what you want to pay for a figure. It might be you miss out, and it might be you don't get it, but or it, or, or it might be you consider yourself to have overpaid for it. But you can't beat yourself up if you've really wanted that figure and paid for it, and then the market's gone down a little bit. It's um it is it is definitely an interesting market though. But I think a lot of people seem to have moved on to the more specialist, expensive side of things, which is um. I don't know, it scares me a little bit. I, I mean, mind you, spending a hundred pound on a figure scared going back two years ago and um you know me talking about bargain boba fett at 250 quid but i suppose it's all relative isn't it yeah but they're they're out there i know it's it's hard there's no set market there's no set um you you know this is what this figure costs you've got a lot of people trying to sell it that but as i say a bit of patience a bit of searching around you can find them um I got a load of tri logos and and various ones from a, a person in america last year that her dad had collected during the 80s 90s uh, and we'd stayed in touch from a face, uh, an eBay purchase. And all of a sudden she sent me all these pictures of these things. I mean, she was a they're, they're a toy trading family, but um, they weren't doing her any good. And she sold them at a wonderful price. So just, yeah, it could have been the start of something. But I, I helped that helped my collection, as it were. So I sold a few of them on and uh, increased my collection. So definitely, if you're looking for something, just, you know, try and be patient. Try and have a look around. Now, before we start to wrap up. You've already said that uh, you love the Tomart's Guide. Uh, you've got a beat up, obviously, because it's been thumbed through so many times. Does that suggest that you're also quite um, quite into your oddball type items, the away from the toys, the other other aspect? Yeah, I, uh, I think I'm, I, I probably would buy anything with Star Wars on it. It's quite it's quite a, a sickness, really. Um, but anything that's quirky, anything that that. Uh, I've got lots of the Star Wars stickers, the the little round ones with the the nameplate underneath from Return of the Jedi, and the sort of love from them grew because I when I was in Gloucester, um, sort of 16, 17 years old, we went into just a little almost rundown shop and they had a box of them, 30p a pack, and I got a couple of them. No idea what I was going to do with them. Sat them on the side and and uh, I've managed to get what is I think a full collection of those and and. It's almost like those little tangents that just keep things interesting that you just see. And, and then I managed to get, uh, which you guys talked about a couple of years back, the an actual store um, hanger for the um, uh, the the stickers with the puffed up 
Do you know what, do you know what I'm talking that's about? Right, yeah. The, um, trying to think um, they were, who they're made by. Do you remember them, Rich? Yeah, yeah, the, is it Star something or other? Yeah, you would do. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was a complete store hanger one with sort of one pound an item on there, which I don't think they would have ever been that in the 80s. So I don't know where and when it came from. The eBay seller was Horny Nurse Lynn, her username was. So I was very interested in her auctions. Um, and fortunately, some in Star Wars came up. So that's good. But that that's something that, you know, it, it, no one else claims to have one. No one else has mentioned it. And it's not necessarily about the, the money, the value. It's just such a cool thing to have. So if I see something I think is cool and, and it's and it's a reasonable price again, I'm, you know, I bought that for 23 quid or something like that for the full display thing. And uh, yeah, it's just just great fun. Get a lovely little buzz getting it. I, I sound like a drug addict talking on here about all the buzzes I get from Star Wars, but <laughs> Star it's Wars been... is my drug of choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you can go far wrong with it. <laughs> um, I'm I'm sitting at the moment. I keep buying little oddities in the moment, and my office is in a right old state. Really? So, yeah, needs a good sort out. Now, where will you talk about those extra bits? Now, more, maybe more at Richard's alley. This one, but um. One of your more recent posts on the forum is you've just bought a big job lot of the novels. Oh, yes. Is this another area of passion for you? For a couple of years, I wanted to get them. And again, I, I think with the new films and things like that, the old novels just seem to go crazy. And I, I, I didn't want them enough to just go mad for it. And then when we were at Echo Live, uh, sharing a table, with my friend Chris and uh, Andy Davis and uh, my friend Chris, had his, uh, his wonderful suitcase, if you remember. Uh, with various things coming out of it and uh he got out all these old star wars books and i said what are you, what are you doing with them and he said i just want to quit each mate and we we grew up together me and chris you know literally went to nursery together and things so i just said to him well, don't let anyone else have them i'll take them off you and, and i offered him a pound each because i was feeling generous and he he would only accept a tenner off me for them they just look brilliant and i haven't had a chance to read any of them yet but i just read and and i i don't know this uh, some do the Star Wars addiction, I guess. The smell of old Star Wars books is incredible. <laughs> That's the Star Warsy smell. Um, but it's a wonderful set, and the the old books with the the certainly the making of the Empire book is amazing. It's so good. I've not seen that one. Uh, it's. Uh, I'll try and send you some pics of uh, the insides of it. I noticed uh, one being sold on Facebook for a bargain, twelve pound today. Um, so I better not tell my friend. He's not on Facebook, so we should be okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's uh, more at Richard's alley. The um, the novels. He's read every one. You ask him any question, he can tell you the plot. <laughs> I, I don't think I've read every one. I don't know how many novels there are now. Maybe it's about 150 or something. Right. Yeah, I probably. Have you, have you have you read the Lando ones from back in the day? Absolute the... trash. They're the worst novels <laughs> I've ever read. <laughs> but the pictures on the front are amazing. I can't. I, the... I just sit and stare at the pictures, then I won't bother reading it. I did a presentation of Father's from on the Lando and Han novels. I mean, the Han the Han ones are really good. So yeah. I had high hopes for the Lando ones. But the the three Lando stories are exactly the same. It's just <laughs> they've just changed the names of a few planets, and it's the same story again and again. It's just ridiculous. Ah, oh, well, I'll, I'll read one and then yeah. it's done. The, the the just the the Lando novels are like they're like the jazz of the podcast team. You know that, that's that's how you know atrocious they are. Paul, you joined a new. Um, I don't know if you're the instigator. You might well have been. 
but you're part of the new South West Massive Star Wars Club. Yeah, I'm your... the instigator. I just joined in. You had your first meetup recently. Was that a good night? Because I know that I think it was Andy Preston maybe there. Yeah, said it was good. Yeah, we had a great time actually. It was. Um... Uh, Simon Sess is an interesting place. It's the first time I've been out drinking there, and um, I think a few of the guys were accosted in one of the bars, made to kiss a teddy bear, I believe. So you can ask them about that. I think I'd left by then. Um, well, Steve Savory does that every night anyway, quite passionately, <laughs> and I know he was with you. So. Yeah, that's it. It was interesting. Yeah, it was, it was a really good night. I mean, I, I love the, uh, as I said, with the celebration. One of the greatest parts of that was actually meeting up with people I've been talking to for years. My my pretend friends is my wife is christened every uh, star wars friend that i have um and uh so you're still you're now pretend friends that i've met according to my <laughs> wife which is nice of her um and uh but any chance that we get to meet up it, it's it's just great it's just really nice to you know echo live was great just sat in the bar talking beforehand and uh is it chris bunn the stormtrooper guy coming up reeking of brandy that was interesting um, he was ratted, wasn't he? Yeah. He was absolutely smashed, <laughs> fuming that uh, Redditch doesn't have a red light district. <laughs> absolutely fuming. Um, so that was interesting. But um, now uh, passing my driving test at the grand old age of 42 means I can go down to farthest from. And uh, uh, I would have loved to come up to, to Leicester for the for the talk the other week. But as I said, I was living the dream in Butlins. Um, and but the face-to-face meetups are brilliant. They're, they're just they're just great. I'd re- I can't recommend highly enough. If anyone gets a chance to go to Farthest Farm Echo Live or you know obviously the Southwest Massive meetups. Um, I can't speak for any of the other areas. Obviously we're the the, the finest of all. Um, but yeah, definitely uh, go along, meet some like-minded nerds or losers, as my wife would probably call us all. Uh, and uh, yeah, have a few beers and have a laugh. Are you down at the Christmas FF? Yes, yes, all booked in, ready to go. Oh, where are you staying? Um, the ship, I think. No, same, same here. Or am I? I don't know. One of them. <laughs> yeah, one of them. They serve beer. That's that's all I know. Yeah, best check really Well, Paul, thank you ever so much for tonight. The final question is: if we're being being rehomed, you know, uh, it's going to uh, meet its deadly, grisly end. Uh, we're all getting on shuttles. Going to be no monetary value out out there. You, there's only room for one space of your collection on the shaft. Shaft? <laughs> <laughs> on the craft. Um, what are you taking and why? Um, I, I'm going to go the, the recent pickup. The, um, the old Star Wars smelling books. Um, if that can be classed as one collection item, as it were. We'll let you, we'll let you off that. Yeah. You're going to start a library out there, aren't you? I just can sit and read them all and uh, have deja vu with the Lando novels, I guess. But... Uh, um, yeah, it, it was between that and my original figures with their soldering iron mark on the foot from me dad. But um, but they're no good to me. I can read books and, and smell them, as I said. So, you know, all good. So, yeah, the books it is. Wonderful. Well, Paul, thank you ever so much for um, coming on and joining us. It's no been problem. a pleasure as always, mate. And uh, look forward to sharing a beer with you in a couple of weeks. Yeah, definitely. Rocking around the Christmas tree, let the Christmas spirit ring. Let's do it again! Come on, two, three.
When the cat's away and the mice will play, now it's time for cracking any. Hello, what have we here? Ah, good! New acquisition! Right, so we've got a short NA this month, boys. We've just been missing. We've decided to keep it keep it nice and tight, so we've chosen one item each. Plus, we still have our main topic at the end. So we're going to go straight over to where we always start, Star Wars Forum UK. Um, we're starting out, Richard has spotted uh, something that forum user Paul 1976 has picked up for an absolute bargain. Rich? Yeah, so browsing Star Wars Forum UK, and I always enjoy seeing posts like this. So this was from new user Paul 1976, posted on November the 29th. And he's not put this in the Lakers acquisitions thread. He's actually started off his own thread on this. And yeah, good good one, Paul. I'm really glad you, you have done that. So it says, Hi all. Apart from saying hi, this is my first post. Like many, I sold my Star Wars stuff from childhood and now would like to collect things again, having just watched the original trilogy with the kids for the first time. I've been reading up, joined the forums, subscribed to Star Wars Tracker, and I like to start collecting loose figures with weapons in decent condition for starters. I've been rather put off by all these replica weapons, and that's a great point there, I'm glad somebody's done some research already and spotted these, but I've decided to splash out on a massive £1.20 on a Dengar figure with weapon. I had him back then and he seemed a cheap way of starting, I've tried to attach some pictures, I've looked at the Imperial Gunny site, and I've got a little bit confused, his weapon floats in water, which I believe to be a test. It definitely doesn't sink, but I could not match the shape and colour to any variant on the IG site. Could anyone please help? And there are lots of people posted on there that say, yep, that weapon that you've got there is definitely fine. And for £1.20, for a loose complete figure, that's an absolutely fantastic bargain. So, cheers Paul, well done for joining the forum. You've done exactly the right thing so far. You've not dived in and bought, you know, 20, 30 figures from the, from the start. £1.20, you're not going to get many that cheap, if any, ever again. But for a complete figure, you know, you cannot say that there's a problem there whatsoever. Absolutely brilliant. Dengar's a little rough. He's got some scratches on the chest plate. But uh, you can upgrade that for maybe 3 or £4 at some point in the future. So stick around, Paul, and hope to see you on the forum much more often. Good. Yeah, that is an absolute steal, isn't it? In this day and age, anything for a quid... £1.20, absolutely superb, great start, and like you say, mate, I hope he's uh, not expecting to pick up a loose run on that kind of budget, <laughs> be awful. Staying on Star Wars Forum UK, over on page 2286 on the latest acquisitions thread, Steve, you've spotted something that Poncho has purchased that's tickled your fancy. I have indeed, something that really, I've, I've never seen anything like this before. It's It's uh, been labelled up as a gumball machine bootleg jiggler. Now, all of that just sounded like absolute crazy nonsense to me. And this bright yellow Chewbacca um, just jumped off the page. And I got in touch with Chris, uh, who goes by the name, as you said, of Poncho. And uh, I just wanted to find out a little bit more about it. Hit a bit of a brick wall, though, straight off the bat, which was interesting, because um, despite Chris buying this and being very enthusiastic about it, he knew very little about it himself. 
but he's got some contacts and he reached out to uh, Todd Osborne, who's a, a great lover of uh, all all elements of Star Wars. And he got in touch with him via Facebook. And Todd managed to just share a little bit of information about this one. He, by his own admission, um, isn't isn't completely with all the detail on it. But he did uh, he did know that this item was only found in vending machines. Uh, it's quite an early item. Um, so something a bit like a gumball machine. He wasn't really sure of the entire range, but he did know these, this particular line was made of rubber and was roughly two to three inches long. He also pointed out that there is a, a smaller range um, that's very similar with hard plastic making up the figures. So that's quite interesting in itself that the, the two were kind of running concurrently. In the, in the rubber range, there's a Vader, a Kenobi, a Chewie and an R5, which I thought might be of interest uh, to our good friend Rich. And um, that's pretty much all that I could find out about it. But I'll put some images up on social media so everybody can have a look at it. Because it is, it's a crazy bright yellow Chewbacca. Who, who wouldn't want one of them? Brilliant. You've seen these before, Rich? Uh, no, Steve, it's not what I was thinking it was. I've never seen them before. Um, it's absolutely great for a bootleg. I think the quality is fantastic. It's very like the Kenner figure. They must have, you know, really taken that as a base for making these. It's got a chewy there with it, so how how tall are these? About an inch? Inch and a half? Yeah, great item. Never seen them before. Definitely got to go an R5, one of those. Yeah, Todd, Todd said they're kind of two to three inches tall, so a little bit taller. They're, they're going to be shorter than a, than a vintage figure, but not, not tiny, tiny, no. Well, this one here that he's got a photograph, doesn't the, Chewie's legs are taller than it. Right. So I can't see it being two to three inches how high is chewy you can see on that um there's a photo against a ruler and chewbacca's just above four centimeters with the arm in the air it's just short of five centimeters so about an inch and a half is probably about right yeah nice item so yeah i'll have to track down the r5 one of those and probably you want to guess they're in a range of colors as well yeah i think i do believe they are yeah excellent excellent item poncho um you always pick up some some fascinating things over the uh, over the years so uh, keep them going. I haven't gone by the name of Obi-Wan since all before you were born. Moving on, on, on page 2291 of the acquisitions, uh, Nick Shear has shown his latest acquisition of uh, Return of the Jedi, Comb and Keeper. Now, we've all seen these several times. I so never really think about covering things like this, but the amount of people after we post this picture that came on and said, oh, I've never seen that before, never seen that before, what is it? Actually really surprised me. So I thought I'd just give... The Coleman Keepers, a, a little shout out, and Nick, Nick, Nick buys some great little items. And so Nick has picked up a, a carded Coleman Keeper. Now, these are, as the title gives away, a comb which slips into a thin casing. Uh, Nick has picked up the Land Speeder with Droid design, which is beautiful. There's also a Rebo Bound one, uh, plus a Nisa one, and there's also a Wicket and Nisa one. Uh, these were made by Adam Joseph and came out on the typical Adam Joseph packaging, that real red with the Return of the Jedi logo. They used that across all packaging from money boxes to all sorts. Uh, they also did three pop-up combs for these, if you fancy putting a run together, uh, a 3PO and R2, a Vader, and as Pete has, the Leia as Jabba's slave. So a good variety for sure. Great, great items. I don't think they're particularly difficult to pick up. I think you could probably pick them up carded. For, I'm guessing at about 15 quid. Does that sound about right? Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. And you can pick them up loose, but um, loose combs, well, you know, you, you'll probably find either Jez or Steve's hair caught in one. Cause we've been looking for it for a while, so if you find that, for sure. Steve, have you got any reason to buy combs? Have you, do you own any combs? Haven't owned a comb in, in a many a year, Stu. <laughs> Not even for your collection. 
No, not even for my beard either. <laughs> oh yeah, you've got a beard, haven't you? You've got a bit of facial facial fluff. Yeah. So I like these. I do not I do not have one. Do you know what? I've seen them pop up and the Rebo band one obviously would would fit in with my little size snoodles one. So Nick, great pickup. Congratulations, mate, and um I'll probably join you soon by picking up the Rebo one. You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. We must be cautious. Right, so going over to Facebook. We've only got the one off Facebook this month, because like I said, we're only doing one each. And Pete has seen a purchase from Javier Florencio Suarez. Pete, what have you seen? Why do you like it? And um, are you going to get one? Well, I don't think there's many of them. Um, but this is Star Wars. 1977 Star Wars licensed bags by Industrias Sis. That sounds like a medical thing rather than a bag thing. And it's a couple of, uh, literally, a couple of man bags. I don't know whether they're satchels, but they do look more like man bags. I guess our European brothers are more sort of bag loving than than we were back in those days. But these look ultra cool now. I would love to have one of these now. There's, now, there's two of them. One's kind of brown with a sort of orangey leather kind of trim with a lovely little, uh, uh, two little buckles that you fold over. And it's got the, the kind of Hilda Brown. And kind of design in uh, monochrome colour, again in the kind of orange colour, one colour. And the other one, uh, same kind of trim, but it's kind of a grey, grey kind of denimy looking material with, again, the same design on the Star Wars Hildebrandt kind of design. Um, guys, do you uh, are, are you a man bag carrier like I can be sometimes? I bet, Stu, you've got I bet you've got hundreds of man bags, haven't you? I, I do own a few uh, man bags, actually. I think there's a time and a place when they're extremely useful, and I will definitely be pulling one off at Celebration. <laughs> nice. Well, I was just, I've got a little man bag here. It's got all my stuff in it. has got my referee's whistle, my pump, a few sweets in there for when I get lonely. What else have I got? I've got a little pocket book with all my getting stuff in it. I carry around now all the time. Uh, subs, cash. Uh, what else is in there? Let me have a look. Pete, can I just ask, does Richard have a man bag? There's no way a northern man has a man bag. It's just not going to happen, is it? If, if there is, he'll have sugar cubes in there when he comes across a horse that he doesn't want to punch. Uh, there'll be probably some CDs so he can strap to his feet and go skating across his uh, his front room floor. I don't know, probably a hammer or something. That's what these northern types carry around. Why? Uh, Rich, do you, do you have a man bag? Don't be so f***ing stupid. I know Steve so, has a so much for him making the edit easy, Rich. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way Steve doesn't have a man bag. He looks like a man who has a bag. I have several man bags. Right. So um, these are apparently. Well, I think uh, uh, according to our friend Javier, we need to get him on one day because he he is putting up some ridiculous stuff for sale, which and it's all stuff I really want, and I can never afford it because it's well out of my price range. Things like Spanish comics and stuff, but. Um, he thought initially they were they were bootlegs, but no, they are actually officially licensed bags, and they, there's very little information on them. And apparently, the the logo and the image printed on the bags is apparently unique to any other Spanish vintage item. So whether they were initially for a different market, no one really knows. But there's there is literally no information about these anywhere. So if anyone has any information, please let us know. But it, the the thought behind it is that it was probably there for a wider European market. 
um, without any kind of generic. Well, it's trying it's try to be more generic than just trying to be for Spain or for France or for Germany. It was a, you know, a European and maybe an American wide thing. But um, yeah, they obviously didn't get very far because uh, let's face it, no one's seen these before. Red 10 standing by. Red 7 standing by. Red 3 standing by. Red 6 standing by. Red 9 standing by. Red 2 standing by. Red 11 standing by. Red 5 standing by. Awesome, Pete. Awesome find. I think you need to move to Spain because you often pick a Spanish item. It is mostly from Javier because, like I said, he keeps he keeps banging out these ridiculously cool items on uh, the Beyond the Toys group. They just it just comes out of nowhere. It's like, what's that? What's that? It's just not seen before because you know, well, yeah, as we know from the Spanish kind of stuff, there was a huge sort of market of stuff that that keeps popping up from whether it's dodgy action figures to to comics i think the comics is for me is a big thing that from spain there seems to be a lot of lot of stuff produced um and there's some really rare ones that i'm hoping i'm hoping that that pop up there is there is a design on a comic that if it comes up i might have to be silly with money that i haven't got to buy it but i haven't seen it yet it's the one with the weird skull thing on the front but there we go it's another story for another day <laughs> brilliant so that is it for um going through the general stuff we're going to go to our main topic uh steve savory you pointed this out and it's something that was on my to buy list about two three years ago and i never got around to buying it but i'll explain why in a minute so we're going back to star wars forum uk on page 2286 and gadders has picked himself up an ewok battle wagon let's have a general discussion on it first boys but first of all let's just have a little round who owns an ewok battle wagon here I do. So do you. I. So Pete and um, <laughs> no, Steve no. and Rich. Um, but are they both boxed or are they loose? Mine's loose. Mine's boxed, complete. Okay, so we were looking at this. I was looking at this today, and I think it's the box that puts me off buying it. I don't think it's the best box around. Steve, you've got one. Do you, do you like the box for it? I'm going to be honest and say I'm not a big fan of it. I'm not a big fan of it as a toy. I'm not a big fan of the box. I got to the end of a certain run of uh, boxed vehicles, and this was one that was still on the list as a as a yet-to-be-obtained, and it came up at a reasonable price at the time, and I just thought, you know what? It, it ticks a box. It's displayed. It's not hidden away. It is out on display amidst other things of, of that same era. But no, it's not. It certainly is not a favourite piece of mine. It's um, it's quite an odd artwork on that box, in my opinion. Yeah, not my favourite. But I I would go the other way. As a toy, I think it looks quite cool, you know. If I'd had one as a kid, I, I think I would have got quite a bit of play out of it. Now, Rich, you've got it loose. What, what, what are your thoughts on it as a toy? I think as a kid I would have loved it, but I would have smashed mine to pieces without a doubt, because it's clearly designed to be rammed into something, you know, and, and that's not just the battering ram on the front of it, that's the whole headpiece and the skull getting slammed into something, knocking figures flying. Yeah, I, I, I think it is a nice toy. I know what you're saying about the box, but um, there's some alternative artwork for the box, which I think is far better than what was actually released, so I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit later, but yeah. It's a, it's a it's a nice toy. I would have loved it as a kid, definitely. I think that's a really fair point, actually. That despite me not not being a fan of it, it it is a great toy, and it it would be brilliant to play with as a kid. 
but from a display point of view, which is one of the main reasons, if not the main reason that I collect, because I like to display everything. I don't think it displays that well. It's not got it's not got quite enough structure to it to to have that impact on shelf. So, yeah, sorry. Pete, would you like to get one, dismantle it into loads of pieces and put it in a massive acrylic case? <laughs> um, no, I, I, I bizarrely, I think the box is the best thing of it. I mean, I think it's ghastly. I mean, I would have seen that as a kid. Well, you know what I was like with Ewoks. No chance. Uh, that's what kill, killed me off. Uh, if I saw that, I'd be like, what is that? Uh, that wasn't in the film. And I would have been like, Pfft. you know, I'd rather have another Atat or something or something more decent. But that just just looks ridiculous. But, it, uh, but yeah, the box, the box side looks all, makes it almost look interesting. But you've got to remember that if I'm remembering correctly, the sides come off the wagon. And you could build a fort, so it, it's got loads of playability. You're saying you wouldn't like it as a kid. There's loads oh. to do with it. It's got a ladder. Yeah, well, yeah, but going from like a, you know, a, a Falcon or an Atat or a Scout Walker, and then a wooden-looking thing, that was not good. Not not, not for what the age I was at then. That's, that's going backwards. That's like, what? Where's the where's the hyperdrive, man? Where's the Where's the flicky bits and buttons? The noises, no, ridiculous. Sorry, just it's just an Ewok thing with me. It would be mm, mm, batter around. That's good. Laser cannons. That's what you need. Laser cannons, not bits of wood. Go over to the Vintage Alliance now, because I'm sure there's plenty of prototype stuff here to be discussed. And Ron Salvatore is looking at this for us, and he did say there's a fair bit to say. So over to Ron. The Rebel Alliance is too well equipped. They're more dangerous than you realize. Happy holidays, my cracking podcasting friends. This is Ron Salvatore with the Vintage Rebellion Alliance, and today I'm going to talk about the Ewok Battle Wagon. The Battle Wagon is actually one of my favorite Star Wars vehicles, and not just because its title is an anagram of wet baloney tweak. The Battle Wagon dates from 1985, around the time the line was dying down, so it was one of the last uh, Kenner Star Wars products to hit the market. It was actually the only large-scale vehicle aside from the Imperial Troop Transport that was based on something not seen in the movies. Well, that's if you don't include the Star Destroyer playset, which I suspect was actually based on either a gravy boat or an anvil, neither of which was in the movies, of course. Though the Battle Wagon wasn't in a movie, it wasn't in a cartoon, that would be the Ewoks animated series produced by Nelvana. It appeared in an episode entitled Wicket's Wagon, in which Wicket is instructed to restore a pre-existing wagon by an Ewok priestess named Kank. Then there's a fight, a bunch of stuff happens, and yada yada yada. The Ewoks use the wagon to once again subjugate the Dulocs in unfeeling Trumpian fashion, thereby proving once and for all that though you may tweak the white baloney, you can't spank the Kank. Although the battle wagon was part of the Power of the Force line, along with the Tatooine skiff, there is ample evidence suggesting that it was originally planned for release in the Ewoks line. Kenner's 1985 Toy Fair catalog lists the Battle Wagon as an Ewoks product. Moreover, it specifically ties it into the Nelvana cartoon. The changeover from Ewoks to Power of the Force must have been fairly quick because Kenner didn't bother to create an updated instruction sheet. Yup, all examples of the Battle Wagon instructions bear the Ewoks rather than the Power of the Force logo. So no, you didn't find a rare prototype last weekend down at the flea market. You can take that Ewoks branded instruction sheet out of the archival frame and put your Hamilton plate featuring Spock back on the wall. What happened here? 
My guess is that Kenner didn't have confidence in the ability of the Ewoks line to support accessories. Remember, there were only two actual Ewoks in the Ewoks line, whereas the movie line had about 37, one virtually indistinguishable from the next. In the end, no accessories at all were released in conjunction with the Ewoks action figures. It was just those Ewoks and those lame Dulocs. Uh, as a product, the Ewok Battle Wagon was pretty cool. I had a lot of neat features. I'll let Kenner's marketing folks do the talking. Here's the copy from their 1985 Toy Fair catalog. This exciting new Endor vehicle gives kids the opportunity to reenact even more of the Return of the Jedi and Ewoks Saturday morning TV series battle scenes involving their favorite Ewoks. The Ewok Battle Wagon has two levels to hold a whole band of Ewok warriors. Once aboard, the action begins. This vehicle slash playset features a manually operated battering ram to crush unsuspecting intruders. And any Imperial stormtroopers or evil Dulocs that are captured may be taken prisoners inside the Ewok battle wagon prisoner cage in the back. The vehicle sides are removable so that an Ewok fort can be, can be built separately. On top, there's a ceremonial skull which serves as a lookout for the Ewoks. Adding to this vehicle's versatility are a ceremonial drum and a lever which allow the Ewok battle wagon front to recline while the Ewoks take the enemy by storm. Free rolling wheels keep the action going, at least until the Ewoks have won another forest victory, herded the Dulocs into a specialized killing silo, and processed their meat into delicious spiced jerky. Okay, so I made up the jerky part. But maybe it'll be in Ryan Johnson's remake of the Nelvana series entitled Ewoks. I know you didn't want to see this, but you're getting it anyway. By the way, the skull that adorns the roof of the battle wagon is often referred to as a bantha skull. But banthas don't live on Endor, so I don't believe it. It's anti-science hogwash. Seriously, if you believe that's a bantha skull, you're the nerd equivalent of those people who insist that dinosaur fossils are the bones of the giants mentioned in the Bible. Incidentally, a hard copy prototype of the skull is known to exist. It's very cool, even though it has nothing to do with either banthas or the biblical giants. Branding aside, there are some other indications that the Battle Wagon's packaging underwent serious revisions prior to release. Chief among these are transparencies and assorted other material that show the box sporting an alternate piece of artwork. Its general concept is, is similar to the art used on the production box. The Battle Wagon is shown battling a scout walker and some stormtroopers. But in the unused version, the vehicle is shown from the front and the blast is rocking it up onto two wheels. It's quite an action-packed image. Interestingly, a preliminary flat that uses this art is amended with some handwritten text indicating that Lucasfilm rejected their own art and were redoing it. It would seem then that Lucasfilm and not Kenner created both pieces of art considered for the Battle Wagon's box. Pretty interesting. It's possible that the original art was deemed to be overly violent. Also, it shows the product at an angle that obscures much of its detail. Not an ideal way to sell a product. The final art for the box still exists, by the way. It's safe in the hands of a longtime collector. Uh, since it was released right before the end of the Star Wars line, the Battle Wagon wasn't around for very long. It probably was a, probably about a, as rare as the A-Wing or the Tatooine Skiff. It did, however, enjoy an afterlife. Firstly, it was considered for release in the post-Power of the Force range pitched by Kenner soon after the demise of the Vintage line. We know this because it's included in a portfolio related to that pitch. You can see that portfolio on the Star Wars Collector's Archive. Secondly, it made a surprise appearance in the line of figures released in conjunction with the Kevin Costner Robin Hood movie. 
The line was released in 1992, a mere seven years after the release of The Power of the Force Range and The Battle Wagon. Kenner was obviously counting on parents to have short memories, as they didn't even change the name of the product. It was still called The Battle Wagon. The Robin Hood Battle Wagon was updated with a few cosmetic details. Also, the Natabantha skull was removed in favor of another product recycled out of the Star Wars line, the Ewok Catapult. Yes, a catapult was mounted on its roof. Those merry men really could pimp a ride. For more information on this and other recycled toys, see my old article, Recycling the Force. I'm sure you can find it by Googling. Also, a revised version of this article appeared in an issue of the Farthest From fanzine, which you can probably hunt down if you're so inclined. Okay, guys, I'm all battle wagoned out. Hope you have a great holiday season, and we'll talk to you soon. See ya. You are part of the Rebel Alliance and a traitor. Take her away! Brilliant, as always, from the Alliance. Such an eye-opener, and uh, I really get the impression Ron loves the uh, battle wagon. So, outside of Rich, no one's that keen on it as a toy, where Rich has got it as a top five. I think that's mental. Well, that's Rich. <laughs> mental. Now, Rich, we just talked about the power of the force, release of it was that was all it was available on were there any other releases did this come out in any other countries was there any sticker offers on there was there anything different out there nothing i can find and i've scoured everywhere i mean obviously i knew it didn't come out in trilogo and things like that so i was never going to check trilogo.info but i scoured rebel scum and there was only that one power the force box design that i've certainly been able to find however there's a lot of swedish people on rebel scum are absolutely adamant that the Ewok battle wagon was easy to get in Sweden. So I'm guessing that some kind of excess stock was purchased and sent over to Sweden. Um, so perhaps in parts of Europe, th this was available under the Power of the Force branding, but I can't find any evidence of a sticker, no special offers, absolutely nothing at all. So spent ages and ages and ages and come up with nothing. But what I was really surprised about is how difficult this battle wagon actually is to get. And a lot of people in Rebel Scum had said that this is far more difficult to get than the Power of the Force skiff. Which I, I thought it was the other way around because I got my battle wagon fairly easily. And it was a skiff that took me a while. I've got a, um, an idea what it might be though. I, I noticed in one of the JCPenney catalogues that, so they came out at the same time. The skiff was uh, re recommended retail price of $15.99, obviously dollars where the battle wagon was twenty two ninety nine, seven quid more or seven dollars more but surely the skiffs are a more desired toy so i'm, I'm surprised about the price difference between the two because right? that's that, that seems pretty high that yeah i don't know whether that that was it actually from a jc penny catalog from 85 and it reads actually the um it reads as the battle wagon front of the toy will come down when a crank is turned cage to hold prisoners Cage can be raised or lowered by a crank on the upper level of the toy. Cage door opens, wagon has rolling wheels, and the sides can be removed. Wagon also comes with a ladder and a drum. Got quite a bit of playability there. Yeah, I did wonder whether I was quite surprised at myself at the price of that. I did think that's pretty steep. I'm not sure how. I should think they got pretty much deleted down pretty quickly with money. As Steve, that it was reused for the Prince of the Thieves line. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's some there's some crazy stat here that I've, I've managed to pick up, and it's, it states that a full 50% of the entire Robin Hood Prince of Thieves line was actually made of recycled products from other toy lines. So of the four figure-related lines, 
two of them, the Battle Wagon that we've just been talking about and the Sherwood Forest playset were both lifted directly from the Star Wars line. They've got tweaks, they've got amends, a little bit of set dressing to make them into something new, but they are essentially those those original toys of uh, the Ewok playset, the, the you know the, the Forest playset and the Battle Wagon themselves just reimagined. There's even an action figure itself, which is... For some people, this will be a revelation. For most people, I would imagine this is actually, oh, yeah, we know about that. But the Gamorrean Guard transformed into uh, Friar Tuck, completely recycled piece. Um, interesting. So I'll come back to that one in a minute because it's not quite as clear as, as you might think. But the forest playset, uh, that was significantly transformed. So they took away the fire pit. That got ri- They got rid of that. Um, they got rid of the throne, C-3PO's throne. But to replace that, they added foliage to all the different treetops. Every single tree was re-sculpted to add more tree-like bark texture details on. All of the railings were recolored and darkened uh, in order to add in just a bit more kind of real feel. There were some spear launches added as well to, to those uh, railings. So it had a whole new look, which was, you know, considering it was a bit of a rip off of, uh, of a, an ori- of a previously used toy, they, they did a good job to transform that one. The battle wagon, um, that's interesting as well. So the Ewok battle wagon came with this giant skull on the top of it. Um, and that was, that was taken away. Um, but quite amusingly, they, uh, they added straight into its place a completely unchanged Ewok catapult from the Star Wars line. And so that was just dumped on the top of the Ewok battle wagon. They made some other notable changes as well. Uh, so they changed the color of a number of the pieces, a bit like the forest set to add a little bit more authenticity to the look. A lot of things became darker and a bit more wood effect was added in the sculpt and the coloring. Um, they had bronze accents that they added in where there was kind of that bony color on the original Ewok playset. So the battering ram almost looked like it had a bronzed end to it rather than a kind of hide covered tip. And shields were added all the way along the side uh, instead of it just being plain, plain wooden fencing. So that that made it just a bit more kind of Robin Hood-esque. And then we come back to Friar Tuck. So everybody looks at it and they say, oh, it's just a reuse of the of the mold of the Gamorrean Guard. But it isn't. If you look at it really closely... It has to have been a re-sculpt because the whole body is significantly different. There's changes and smoothing. There are elements of it that are exactly the same where they've really kind of they've almost like picked off a surface and reapplied it. But broadly speaking, it is it is a new or at least a re-sculpt based on the original the original piece. I don't I don't for one minute believe that one is directly cast from the other. It, it is that that they've te- maybe taken a cast and then re-sculpted over the top of it by adding and taking away wax. Something very cool about that, in my mind, you know, how these things are, are layered up through history. The inspirations there can't be disputed, and a very interesting piece of uh, Star Wars crossover Robin Hood uh, history. We're going to go on to Pete in a minute to look at prices. I'm hoping he's got a comparison of the Prince of Thieves, their wagon, compared to the Ewok battle wagon. If you- Let's have a look at prices, Stu. So um, this is four years of data, four years of data, four years. For a loose one, loose complete-ish, 
Uh, there's not too much data. I don't know. Maybe it's not complete, actually. It's not a lot of complete ones. So let's just say battle wagons. <laughs> Loose. Incomplete. It looks like the average is £127 over the last four years. But that is with a, a caveat of not complete. So mm. um, highest is £244. That's loose. So, yeah, there's been 41 sales, recorded sales on eBay and auctions of a loose version. So it's not a lot in four years, you know, 10 a year. That's not that's not many, is it? One, less than one a month for boxed ones, even less in terms of frequency. 29 in those four years. So. I, there's not a great demand. There's not a lot of them around. But um, the price, 225 for a, a boxed one. Again, that price reflects uh, in a box, not necessarily sealed. If you're going to get into the sealed things, you're looking at around about the 500 to 570 mark if you want a sealed one. So not cheap and not many of them. So you're out of luck. Now, a comparison with uh, Robin Hood Prince of Thieves one, it's 50 quid. <laughs> you can have bought a box one at the moment for £50. That is a pretty big come down, isn't it? You can, there's a buy it now one, 50 quid in a box. There's one slightly incomplete and there's no, there's, there's still got quite a few days to run, £25. <laughs> and that, the box is actually, you guys whinging about the box. I really like the Robin Hood. Battle wagon box. Have you seen it? No. Have you got an image? Oh well, I look at the sale. The sales. Yeah, fifty pounds for a box one. Uh, loose ones. Actually, the loose one looks much better than the Ewok one. Actually, I kind of like it. It's that. I think it's that skull. It just looks. It's just a ridiculous thing on the Ewok. Then the skull is nonsense. The uh, forty quid, thirty quid sold. Mm, Sixty quid. Mm, mm. Weird, isn't it? It's almost the same thing. But yet uh, the Star Wars one has got <laughs> it's it's three times as much. So the, the Robin Hood logo, um, I kind of like it. It's got the Robin Hood in the, in the circle above a sort of reddish, reddish hued circle with Robin Hood. And it's got a red kind of livery on the box. And then the image is, um, I don't know, it's just it's kind of nice. It's kind of a bit more actiony. Someone's flinging a big boulder from the top of the Ewok battle wagon from the now attached catapult as steve just said and it's barring through a few things as well so yeah it's actually quite a nice little image I, I, I like it i actually i like both the box arts i wonder how easy these are to pick up complete because the amount of parts that can be lost is incredible isn't it you've got bits that can come off a battering ram the ram supports black string front cover front ramp ladder two-piece prisoner cage uh, which also got a bit of black string and an impossible to find hook, two side pieces, skull assembly, the two tusks, the two string cranks, the table. That is a lot of bits and pieces. You're not finding that if it's, you've not got it complete. If you, is yours complete, Rich? Being loose? It wasn't complete when I bought it. Um, I had to buy the ladder and I don't think I've got the cage, but I've got the impossible to find hook. Well, I think that's good. Uh, I'm going to have a quick round robin here. Let's all have a quick guess. What do you think the skull is of the animal? What animal do you think it is on top of there? Think about where they are. Where do you think? What do you think it is? It's not a bantha because most people think it's a bantha, don't they? So, what do you reckon? They live on the forest moon of Endor. Is there a bantha running through those woods? Hmm. 
I think it's a very, very overly milked move. You think it's an overly milked move? Yeah. No idea. No, interesting. Well, I can't give you the answer because I didn't find it. <laughs> I tell you what, Stu, the, the parts, the parts, I've looked at the quick parts. Someone wants a hundred quid or hundred, hey, well, hundred quid for the skull. Someone, someone wants 50 quid for the cage. Someone wants 47 pounds for a couple of other bits. I don't know what they are. <laughs> I mean, the ladder, 40 pounds. I mean, dear, just, just. So this nuts. is a prime example of buying it complete because. Yeah. It's going to cost you a grand to put it together. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Well, it's 500 quid for a... Oh, just don't bother. It's going to get the Prince of Thieves one for 50 quid and I'm done with it. Put a few Ewoks on it. And go and, you know, dig up a dead cat and get its skull and put it on. Is this the worst vehicle? <laughs> what do you mean by worst? Is this the least appealing of all the vehicles you want to go and buy? And I'm not including the small things like that stupid Imperial Sniper. (laughs) Yes, in my book, it's just just unnecessary. Can you think of anything worse than it, Rich, Steve? The Rebel Transport. (laughs) He's not here to offend tonight, I don't agree. No, (laughs) the Rebel Transport. Now, this is the worst by by a mile. I can't think of anything. I'm looking around my room. I can't see anything worse than it. Well, thanks for bringing it to the table then, Steve. Uh, <laughs> yeah, cheers, Steve. <laughs> your suggestion. <laughs> I just thought Please it was... put it out of the way. I thought it was interesting. Uh, well, let's uh, let's go and have this intro music to Pete's section, which I have no idea what it is still. acquisitions now this is another hard one uh thanks to steve savory mm-hmm, about wagons so the battle wagon um i was thinking oh my goodness i don't think there was much on this but i did i found something so the ewok battle wagon there's two things they're kind of related but it's worth talking about because it's always fun the first one uh, it's a book by dragon books called ewoks number four wicket's wagon and on there is the battle wagon and it's a it's a glorious little book now when we were talking about this Stuart was scoffing at my chances of finding anything haha <laughs> first thing i found after two minutes and it is the battle wagon which relates to the ewoks cartoon um, and there's an entire episode all about the wagon it's episode 10 of the series and it goes deeply in to the family history uh, of the battle wagon um it's a bit, a bit strange we almost you didn't have the um the packaging really of the the main battle wagon from the tv series because you'd have thought that had been the the sort of the, uh, the demographic market of this particular item you're thinking 
you've got a book, you've got the episode that the book is, is from, you've got this whole history, and then they go and put on a power of force box. I just found that a bit strange, seeing as you would have been trying to attract kids who you've had this entire episode about the Ewok battle wagon. Now, guys, has anyone watched this uh, episode? And do you want to give me a quick rundown of the episode? I've never watched a single episode <laughs> of this. Not for, not for five years, at least. <laughs> Steve, do you ever watch this? You you love your cartoons, don't you? I think I I did watch all the Ewoks cartoons as a kid, but it's a lot more than five years since I last watched an Ewoks cartoon. Well, I'll give you a rundown because it is a corking episode. It's basically Wicked's messing around. He finds the sort of remnants of this battle wagon. Um, He does it up, makes it look right smart with his girlfriend. I can't remember what her name is. It's not Princess Nisa or something else. And uh, the two of them have a little adventure. And then their arch enemies, the Dulocs, uh, nick the battle wagon because obviously this is going to be a major advantage in the war between Ewoks and Dulocs. It's a whole bit of a hoo haring. Wicket kind of steals it back. Uh, blah blah blah. Very entertaining episode. I advise everyone to check it out. It is about the history of the battle wagon. It comes from Wicket's family. He's got his him and his family sort of talk about it, and it's a long-standing part of their mysterious past. And uh, he links up with his past during the episode. I won't spoil it completely for you. But it's a wonderful episode. Absolutely. And it gives massive gravitas to the Ewok battle wagon. Sadly, we don't get why and how and all sorts. But all the features are used. And it's a great battle on it. And, uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Can't believe guys didn't watch this episode. Shame on you. Shame on you. Um, so, anyway, guys, um, there must be other things out there. Now, I know there's not much battle wagon stuff. But I'm going to be fair to you. And just say, look, wagons, wagons ahoy. Ewoks do like their wagons. And I did find quite a few wagon related items. Now, any of you fans of preschool items, which Stu, I know, is a huge fan of preschool items. They did do a couple of uh, very cheeky little wagons in there. I was blessed with owning a bit of uh, Ewok preschool for for quite a period of time. And that's uh, that's moved off into Mr. Skinner's collection. And yeah, as soon as you say wagons, preschool jumps to mind. They, the Ewok fire car is right up there, isn't it? It's one of those kind of classic odd, odd bits of toy paraphernalia that go, that kind of sits within the, the uh, Star Wars range or just along the side of the Star Wars range. It's a, a wagon that comes with two figures. It's got like a little stretcher type thing. It's got a couple of barrels and a couple of buckets a random hanging acorn dangling off of it like a fire bell a really bizarre item a really but it's a fun Um, item you look at it and it makes you smile the packaging's great the little non-articulated ewoks are just funny they're cute you can see you know you could see this being given to any kid even today little you know little toddler and them loving it wheeling that thing around stew well, I found two things, mate. I spent many a time on the toilet looking for things, not found anything. I opened up Toe Marts tonight, found two things straight away. First one, a little bit boring, an Ewoks jigsaw puzzle, which has got uh, Barga on the front. Here's the horse uh, pulling a cart. But more impressive than that is this item, which was made by the American Toy and Furniture Company, because that is right. We have got uh, an Ewoks bookcase and toy chest so it's like a desk it's a little chest at the bottom with slanted front on it which has got numbers and letters on it for you to to learn which lifts up as a toy chest it's got a little shelf and then a couple a little cupboard at the top 
But on the bottom of that, it has Nisa and another Ewok. And then to the right, it has Barga. And it has a little wagon with two Ewoks in it. Oh, do you know what? I keep looking for pieces of furniture, but you never see them. And this is incredible. Incredible piece. You'd have that definitely in Steve Saber's bedroom if you own one. Rich, come on. You can't let us down. You're the one who always finds this stuff. Come on, Rich. Come on. Well, Pete, I have searched for hours and hours and hours and hours on this uh, battle wagon. I didn't want to take the easy way out. And I thought I had found something. Um, I thought I'd found it and I was delighted, but when I did more research, it was actually a Nelvano um, film cell that hadn't been painted and it was just a black outline. Uh, but I have found, right, not just a wagon, I have found the battle wagon in yeah. a colouring in book. So on the right hand side of the page there, that is quite clearly the Ewok battle wagon with a couple of Dulocs in there. Um, in fact, actually, they've nicked it, haven't yeah. they? They've stolen the battle wagon. There's one, two, three, four, oh, yeah. five, six, seven, eight. If you watch the episode, sorry, uh, my thing cut out. Um, if you were to watch the episode, yes, that's what happens. They nick it, they steal it, and then they're going to use it against the poor little Ewoks. Um, but it all goes wrong. But yeah, that's that. That's from that episode. So well, there we go. Oh, great find, Rich. What was yep. that book again? It's the Ewok Fun Colouring Book, which is a paperback that was released on September the 24th, 1987. And there is one for sale right now on Amazon, priced at $16. <laughs> In their dreams. Great find, Rich. Well done. But anyway, okay, guys, so if anyone out there who, is, is, who knows of either a battle wagon shot in anything at all, because let's face it, I think we exhausted pretty much anything. I've gone through my puzzle books, colouring books. Um, I've asked questions for, for prominent persons in the collecting world who just look at me and go, I don't really care. So uh, there we go. But yeah, if you've got anything at all, please let us know, because I love it when someone finds me out and goes, ah, you guys are useless. I found this. So please let us know. But uh, it could be a battle wagon. But if you're feeling a bit cheeky and you want to find a, a, a general wagon, just let me know. <gasps> Mistress Kank, what are you doing here? Looking for a dry spot, the same as you. This old battle wagon is good for that, at least. So that's what this is. Many hundreds of seasons ago, there was a great war between Ewoks and Dulocs. The Dulocs had come to destroy that which is most precious to our tribe, our soul trees. But Erfam Warwick devised this machine, which led the Ewoks to victory. The soul trees were saved, and the Dulocs were driven into the swamp. And now the top five most interestingly priced Ewok battle wagon items according to StarWarsTracker.com. At five, sticks and stones may break my bones, but a wooden trolley filled with aggressive spear-wielding Care Bears definitely will. It's the cheapest incomplete loose battle wagon for £23 in 2016. The battle wagon was a relic from Wicked W. Works family lineage. Shame they didn't ask Chief Chirpus Grandad who actually built Star Destroyers. It's an incomplete but boxed wagon for £62 in September 2016. The Ewoks put forward a very good tender to build the Death Star for Emperor Palpatine. However, shooting a large wooden spear through space to destroy planets proved a little beyond their capabilities. It's the lowest priced mint and seal box for £250. 
Surprisingly, the battle wagon could reach a top speed of about 85 miles per hour, but only when Tebow drove it over the great cliff of Chukchu. It's a mint-sailed wagon for £375. The skull on the battle wagon is from a panther. His name was Archibald, and he was from an interstellar travelling family who escaped Tatooine by stealing a spacecraft, but was eaten by Ewoks after he crash-landed on Endor. It's a mint-sealed for a whopping £570 in September 2018. See you guys next time on the StarWarsTracker.com Top 5. Right, then I want to welcome back Paul Davis for this month's Rapid Fire. You ready to go with this, Paul? Absolutely. Great. Your favourite Star Wars movie? Empire. Cheesy, but true. Your favourite Star Wars scene? Again, it'd be Empire. Um, The Darth Luke reveal. Don't want to spoil it for anyone. Um, (laughs) But yeah, pretty, pretty amazing. Takes me back to being five again. Uh, what's your favourite on-screen music? Strangely, the Imperial March. Don't know why, I sing it walking up the stairs. <laughs> what, every time? Yeah, pretty much. I've, I often do it to warn the kids I'm coming, so it's it's quite a good, good vibe. <laughs> uh, what's your favourite on-screen character? Um, it's got to be Luke. He's a whiny, pathetic little person, uh, not unlike myself, uh, so I just empathise with him. Uh, what's your favourite lightsaber jewel? I hate being the same as everyone else, but episode one, um, Children of the Fates and all that, the music, the the battle with Darth Maul and Qui-Gon and uh, Obi-Wan is just so well done. What cast or crew member would you most like to meet, dead or alive? Uh, I met a guy called Kenneth Baker today. It wasn't the right one as he's dead, but um, yeah, I, I think Kenny Baker would have a lot of great stories, so I would have loved to have met him and had a chat. Yeah. What's your favourite Star Wars movie from the Disney era? Um, it's Rogue One. Good shout. Uh, what's your favourite movie away from Star Wars that contains a Star Wars actor? Uh, again, a bit samey, but uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, without a doubt. Uh, what was your favourite figure as a child? L- Luke Bespin. Love that figure. Great figure. And what's your favourite figure now? Uh, favourite figure now? Oh, dear. Um, uh, it isn't Luke Bestman because I'm even finding the pain in the backside to find. Uh, I, I I love uh, an original R2. Yeah. I just think it looks great. A proper minty one. Looks good. Which figure do you wish they'd made in the vintage range? Uh, Darth Vader removable helmet. Good shout again. Uh, what is your favourite playset or vehicle? Uh, just to annoy Rich, probably the that's uh, Darth Vader's Star Destroyer playset. Really? So much play playability. Uh, good memories for me, that. Playset of vehicle you wish they'd made? Uh, it, it, it's ridiculous, but I always thought the um, Palatoy Death Star just wasn't quite good enough, so I, w- I would have liked a full, mm. proper, big, round Death Star. Impossible, but, you know, I, that's yeah. what I wanted. <laughs> what do you think is the most underrated vintage toy? Obviously, Darth Vader's Star Destroyer. <laughs> That's a good shout, yeah. Uh, what's your favourite Star Wars book, um, novel or reference? Um, I love the Tomar guide. That I've got one of them that is absolutely destroyed, just literally cover to cover. Absolutely love that book. Yeah, so desperately needs an update, that book. I'd love oh, it. Yes. Uh, what is your favourite Star Wars event you've ever attended? Um, it's uh, Celebration uh, 16 in London. That was great. Yeah. Um, what is your favourite Hamilton plate design? <laughs> uh, 
Um, well, I mean, all of them are fantastic um, and very undervalued. Uh, but clearly, the the Tie Fighter one does the does the business. Good, very good choice. Um, what is your go to Star Wars website? Uh, well, Star Wars Forum, always UK. Uh, what was the last vintage item you purchased? I think it was a ESB R2 original. Uh, finally, what is your Holy Grail item? Yeah, I, I, I would actually love, and I don't know why, because it's never in the UK, but I would love the, the early bird set. The actual, the figures, not just an envelope with some paper in. The actual yeah. figure set, maybe with the envelope with the paper in, that would be nice. Uh, and again, I don't, you know, don't know why, just love the way it looks yeah brilliant well Paul thank you so much for joining us tonight no problem let's go back to going for gold leader because it does mean that I can play us once again the greatest team feud ever sing it Last month, Pete grabbed it straight away off the first clue, old Chewy. So, boys, I'm going to let you all unmute, but all behave as we go into <laughs> this month's first clue. OK, clue one. According to Wikipedia, I was designed to target, hunt down, intercept and destroy enemy fighters and bombers. Uh, Pete. <laughs> stop. You meant to say Stop. Stop. Okay. Stop. Okay, Stop. Pete. Uh, a tie interceptor. Tie interceptors. Incorrect. Okay, okay. Clue two. No one else has come in. You're back in, Pete. Eey. A very similar vehicle to me appeared on the cover of the novel Lando Calrissian and the Star Cave of Thon Bocca. <laughs> That's gonna hurt. At uh, number three. My wings lower to be able to go on scouting missions. Stop. Pete? It wasn't Pete, like. Sorry, who's uh, that? Rich. Sorry, Rich. Uh, it's you. It's, is it the Imperial shuttle? That's incorrect. Ooh. Anyone else Ooh. before I can move on? No. Okay. Who number four? I first appeared in 1982. <laughs> Nothing? You can still guess, Rich. You've muted. <laughs> Unmute your goose. Clue five. This is where they start to get easier. <laughs> My box art contains ATAP drivers alongside two other figures. Stop. Rich? ATAT? That's incorrect. Well done for guessing, though. You might as well just guess every round. <laughs> Anyone else before I give you the final clue? Right, this, this is going to be fastest finger first. <laughs> I fit perfectly. Stop. Rich? ISP6. That's incorrect. Rich, you're stop. frozen out. Steve, stop. Steve? INT4? It 
is the INT4. That last clue was I fit perfectly into the troop compartment of yeah. Kenner's all-terrain armoured transport. Well, well done. How was that on a Lando? But, which we've got to check this out, Rich. A similar vehicle, based on that, is appeared on the cover of the novel Lando Calrissian and the Star Cave of Thon Boca. I think it's Thon Boca. I think it's just a planet, isn't it? Thonborka is a mining planet. It's one of those things where Lando saves the universe by, I don't know, blowing up the Death Star with a paper clip or something stupid like that. It's one of them crappy novels. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, I know what it is, but it's like, that is. I'm not now. I'm not now. What? Where? It looks really similar. What are you about? Similarly <laughs> in Falcon, and there's. No, you're looking. Fucking... Not not, ah, the black, not not the black version cover. Oh yeah, he's right. <laughs> yeah, they are there. To the left, to the left of the Falcon. Yeah, that looks nothing like it. Uh, a little bit. He's having, he's having a laugh. I said, I said similar. They do look similar. Yeah, maybe look more like any what's it called? Oh yeah, on that version they do. Oh, that, that's 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 the cheap modern version. Shocking. Anyway, I like the way it's yeah. got Megatron in the middle as well. <laughs> yeah, why? Where did he see that come from? <laughs> I, I can't say I've ever seen that cover before. I've not seen the. Uh, I've not seen the modern one. Obviously, the mod, mod, that looks awful. So who painted that? When was Lando ever? Uh, Tom Selleck. Don't give me that one. <laughs> it is, isn't it? That is not Billy D. Williams on that cover. <laughs> Steve, well done. A point to Steve. Coming in there is the only one he guessed on. Rich, do we have much feedback from 54? Well, not just 54, obviously the quiz is special as well. Most of the feedback we got, which was what we usually get when we're down a father's farm, lots and lots of people did enjoy 54, especially positive feedback on the Palatoy talk at Colville that Pete and I went to. Lots of people really pleased that the audio came out so well. Obviously there were one or two questions right at the start where people were quite far away who were quite quiet anyway when they asked the questions, but the, the the most important points have come through really well from that interview. So I, I'm so glad that lots and lots of people enjoyed that and made the trip worthwhile for us. Johnny Aves and one or two of us uh, absolutely shocked at Stu's passion for the Imperial Dignity as a figure. They appreciate the sculpt, yes, but clearly not a good toy. Uh, we haven't done that Facebook poll yet, but I think it's fairly clear how the community's feeling about the Imperial Dignity. Uh, Jason Langendorfer, um, I thought this was brilliant. He put some photographs of his cardback binder in Polly Pockets, which looks absolutely excellent. Great way to display and save space. But he also had this bit in, which pe- you might be interested in this. So he said, I enjoyed the discussion about the early bootleg tapes for Return of the Jedi. Back in 1983, my dad was working as a painter in an auto repair shop. One of the guys he worked with somehow got his hands on a bootleg of the movie that someone had shot with a camcorder. He let my dad borrow it one weekend as he knew I was a huge Star Wars fan. I watched it several times that weekend and even ended up recording the audio with a cassette recorder. After we had to return the video, I would listen to the entire movie while playing up the scenes with my figures. A bit obsessed I was, no doubt. <laughs> I think that's, that's, that's absolutely awesome. brilliant, isn't it? Absolutely yeah, brilliant. What a great idea. <laughs> but again, even even then, a home video, like a a camcorder, would, well, it depends what year this was, obviously. But, uh, you know, go back to the uh, eight, 83. No one had a camcorder, unless you, were, unless you were in a school. Lots of schools had them. Mm-hmm. 
Well, certainly not up here we didn't. Thanks everybody who's wished us lots and lots of feedback for this form. Lots of Christmas wishes we've had. We've had lots of people, you know, certainly when we're leaving for this form, wishing, wishing them the best. Um, lots of people excited for opening the Secret Santa presents. If you're a part of Secret Santa Stars Form UK, Stu, if anybody wants us to leave us any more feedback, what's the best way to get in contact with us? Let's just talk about the people who hated on the Imperial Dignitary and all the people who loved it. But if you want to share the love with the Imperial Dignitary, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram by searching The Vintage Rebellion. You can email us at swtvrpodcast at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at swtvrpodcast. Uh, obviously, all our shows are always available on iTunes or over at swtvrpodcast.podbean.com. And massive thank yous. Short month for, for guests, but huge thank yous to both Paul Davis and Ron Salvatore for joining us on the final edition for the year. But lads, it is for tonight, for 2018. Goodbye from Rich. See you, guys. Goodbye from Steve. See ya. Goodbye from Jez. And it is goodbye from Pete. Question, Stu. You ever had a Yule log? A Yule log, yes. Is that, that's chocolate, isn't it? Well, I think so. Some people like, will, um, you know, think it's made of they wood. They make it look like a log by using the back of a fork. Often find a yes. robin, a uh, iced robin sitting on them. Yeah, that's it. That's the one. You've yeah. got one this year? I haven't, no. Mm. <laughs> Neither have I. So, yeah. happy Christmas, though. Happy Christmas. Well, happy Christmas to all our listeners. Have a great new year. 2019 is going to be amazing. We've got episode nine. We've got celebration. We've got Father's Froms. You've got Echo. You've got Toy Collected. And you've got the TVR. Enjoy yourselves. Have a great new year. Stay safe. And remember, only you can decide with Star Wars toys. This podcast is not endorsed by Disney, Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or anybody who cares about the Star Wars franchise. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com. All names and sounds of Star Wars are registered trademarks of Lucasfilm Limited and other associated copyright holders. All of the original content of this podcast are the intellectual property rights of the Vintage Rebellion. If you enjoyed this podcast, then feel free to email swtvrpodcast at gmail.com. If you don't enjoy this podcast, tough. Are Star Wars products going to have the durability of, say, that old favourite, the teddy bear? I'm always having for his tea. What do you reckon he's having? Sausages. Sausages. Yeah, absolutely. Every day. Yeah, Stu, Stu looks like a sausagey kind of person, doesn't he? <laughs> uh, more hearty definitely his sausage and match you know he's been putting carpets up on walls and stuff and all that sort of crazy stuff and so he must have you know he must be have an appetite for sausages big pork ones <laughs> <laughs> that's what she said God, where's he yeah. gone to have it from is he? I mean, like, if you've been to his house, he lives in a bungalow, effectively. You just have to just, it's next door. <laughs> Unless he's gone to the, the fish shop and got some fish and Oh, yes. Yeah. Maybe he's grabbing it from he the done that. Way. Yeah. He's in the van right now. <laughs> Probably is. Don't, don't put it past them.
he's been forced out of his house. He's actually living in his house anymore. I've got so many Star Wars crap in his house. He's, he's moving himself out. He's living in his van. 